On today's show... You can't look better than that as a human being. The Stern Show meets a new face. I don't see how you could. As model, actress, and author, Emily Ratajkowski pays Howard a visit. I'm reading her book because she's coming in. This is an intelligently written book, and it's making me think. Making me think. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. Right. Hey now. Hey now's a great clip. But it's not from our show, so... Did you ever come up with an answer for me, Robin? What is the greatest clip in your mind? No, Um, I'm going to have to... I used to love How's That, huh? But that wasn't from our show either. Yeah, but that's okay. It makes you laugh. How's that, huh? How's that, huh? Who does that again? It doesn't get played that often anymore. My new favorite is blah, blah, blah. Was that Three Stooges? How's that, huh? No. <laughs> no. Where, where, where's that from? How's that off? Fred, where's where that from? I think it's Three Stooges. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. <laughs> right. I'm going to have to really think about that for a little bit. How's that, huh? <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, good morning, everybody. Let's say hi to Pocket. Pocket, you're on the air. How's that, huh? Pocket. How's that? Oh, there you go. How's that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think that's from a lampoon thing. Yes, it is. Pocket, you're on the air. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey, just wanted to say, hey, you now. know, this long, long-time show fan, I'm really happy for Jeff the Vomit Guy. I feel like it's a happy ending to the saga of the most vile person in show history. <laughs> I um, uh, was... Uh, not surprised to see in the fan mail, email, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I never know what to call it anymore. People used to write us letters. They don't really do that anymore. We get most of this from Twitter, and we get a bunch of stuff from uh, our email and our texts. Um, but uh, a lot of people wrote in about that, uh, about Jeff the Vomit Guy and Debbie the Cum Lady and their discussion over the phone. It was very graphic and Almost, I'd really? say, everyone. Say? I'm really uh, intrigued by the feeling out there. No, the feeling is they never want to hear them again. You know, <laughs> It's like they're room clearers. Whenever you want to get everyone clear of the airways, whenever you want to get everyone to tune out, you just play Debbie and Jeff. Please, oh, Howard, wow. no more Debbie the cum lady and absolutely no Jeff the vomit guy. That was vile. Oh, my God. Debbie and Jeff together make me physically ill, but I can't stop listening. Okay, so uh, <laughs> that's good. Excuse me. Uh, Debbie and Jeff seem like a match made in heaven. Two people who need bodily fluids of others. High Pitch Eric called in uh, after hearing Debbie and proposed the Debbie to come lady dating game. He's onto something. People love that. This has to happen. <laughs> it would be an absolutely legendary moment on the show. Please make the Debbie to come lady dating game happen. I vote sour shoes for the Debbie to come lady dating game. Yeah, there's a lot of people who would be involved in that, but. You know they revived the dating game, right? That there yeah, was they a have, version that was on recently. Celebrity dating game, it's called. The next level. Celebrity dating game is perhaps the most bad good show on TV. It is such <laughs> a train wreck. Everything about celebrity dating game. I don't know. I tape it. You know, DVR it. Whatever. Uh-huh. And first of all. I don't watch every episode. Everything about it is fucked up. First of all, the most glaring screwed up thing is, who's the guy? Michael Bolton, the singer. Remember him? 
Yes. He's on the show. They got this dude, Michael Bolton, who had a career. I mean, this guy had a singing a huge career. career. Yeah. Wasn't it huge? So get this, Robin. You probably haven't seen it yet. This is the kind of TV I have to watch. And I make well, Beth I watch watched it. a couple of episodes, and it is unbelievable. You can't believe it's happening. You can't believe it's <laughs> happening. That's exactly the way to put it. When you watch it, and I'm warning you, with peace and love to anybody listening, when you watch this show, you're going to be like, I'm not sure I'm really watching TV or am I seeing a parody of a TV show? So the, the, Michael Bolton sits there like a fucking, like remember, uh, uh, like a wooden Indian in front of a barbershop. <laughs> You, sometimes you think he died during the show. The guy doesn't move. He doesn't say anything. And they finally go to him at one point to sing when they reveal who the celebrity is who is on Celebrity Dating Game. She, they reveal to the three bachelors, for example, that it's Carmen Electra. And Michael Bolton then suddenly stirs. You realize he's alive. You think it's a statue <laughs> of Michael Bolton. And they say something, hey, here he is, number one recording artist, Michael Bolton. He's like, hi. You know, he's got that scratchy voice. He's like, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Barely moves his mouth. You're like, this guy, he's going to drop dead during the show. Or he dropped dead during the show and nobody noticed. <laughs> but it's, uh, the celebrity is always like, so, you know, it's like bulky, you know, from, uh, right, from right. TV. You know, bul these, bulky. These celebrities are, are almost as bad as the ones on Dancing with the Stars. And this animatronic well, version, and the animatronic well, version, Bolton. the animatronic version that is Michael Bolton then sings a song. The host, I forget who the host is, it's a woman. That it's a equally, Zo uh, what's her name, De Zoe Deschanel, is that it? Yeah, who's famous, but I'm, I'm not sure why. Well, she but had a TV show, and she's been in a couple of movies. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel. Like, I know the name. Deschanel. D. Chanel, you you know Something the name like Zoe D. Chanel or Zooey? <laughs> yeah. I think it's spelled Zooey. Zooey D. Chanel, <laughs> and you're like, what? Didn't she have a big career? Like you don't even know, but but it's just the whole thing's sad. So Zooey D. Chanel's the host. Michael Bolton is just sitting there on a stool, waiting for this moment, and then suddenly we get to the point where they have to reveal who the celebrity is. And 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 they turn to Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton, number one singer. And he goes, hello, like that. And they go, time for you to sing to our bachelors and reveal to them through clues in the song, who is our star? And Michael Bolton and the, the stars are so unrecognizable and you have no idea who they are. That in the song, he he goes, she used to, like, 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 like if it's, uh, Carmen Electra. So I can't, I'm, I'm thinking of Carmen Electra. That was the most recent one I saw. It was like, she used to be in the cover of a magazine. And you go, oh, okay. And, uh, and he goes, and her name rhymes with Bolectra. <laughs> you know, like, like they got to get real specific <laughs> with these yeah, clues. Yeah. <laughs> if I said Barman Bolectra. And then, then, and then one dummy who's a bachelor goes, I think I know who it is. I think it's Carmen Electra. The other two idiots didn't figure it out. They're like, oh, hey, really? You should be in the FBI. You're a genius. It's unbelievable. And then, in a really mysterious manner, as soon as Michael Bolton's done singing, he almost smiles like Lurch. Mm -hmm. And then he sits down back on the stool and he goes silent again. Like, 
He did his moment. It's like they turn him off. And yeah. He just they turn the power out. out. Like they, they go back and they plug him in to recharge him. <laughs> and he and he and he just sits there. Just sits there. But he's on camera the rest of the show. It's like the Adams family would lurch. It's really yeah. weird. It's like he should even say to them, "Hey, you know, I'm not doing anything. You mind if I get off camera? I did my song." And it's kind of sad cuz the guy had a major career and now he's singing song parodies about the guest and most celebrity dating game guests you you read in the title that's who's the you know the the celebrity and you go who the fuck is this and then when you realize who it, and you turn it on you, you look at them and you still don't know who they are <laughs> it seems like, like they have I was, I was like Howard has stars. to have seen this he hasn't mentioned it and I'm so no, glad that you're talking about it now yeah because oh I my thought God. I was Really the only one who had seen it. <laughs> yeah, I watch it. Beth refuses to watch it with me. She rolls over and goes back to sleep. I go, honey, watch this. I said, don't you want to watch this? It's it's Chris Kattan and Margaret Cho are the celebrities. She goes, who? I go, Chris Kattan from Saturday Night Live and Margaret Cho. She goes, I- I'm not watching that. And she rolls over. And she rolls over. And I'm like, no, 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 honey. I won't watch Celebrity Dating. I'm wait till you fall asleep. She goes, it's okay. You can watch it. <laughs> But I end up watching it because I cannot believe the train wreck that it is. But the best part is Michael Bolton, that he's on it. Yes. And that's his gig. And I wonder what they pay him. Like, what could they pay him? And why do they keep him on camera? At least have the decency to throw a sheet over the man when he's (laughs) sitting there waiting to sing the next song. Well, I think this is somebody who hates him. And they have devised the greatest torture. Yeah. And they can sit and watch him be tortured. Yeah, you know who that guy is? Satan. It's a, it's, a, it's Michael Bolton's ver- vision of hell. It's really weird because that guy was dating hot chicks. He was a big rock star. What was his big oh, song? Oh, he had fabulous. Oh, I don't even remember. What it was like a metaphorical uh, Michael Bolton sucking Satan's dick. No, no, but what what is the song Michael Bolton Howard, was famous? When a man loves a woman was a big hit for him. Right, right, right. He did. He did like, when a man loves a woman. Yeah, he wails it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Look where it got him. And like women used to think, like, wow, he's so great to be able to sing. (laughs) I remember he had real long hair, like a mullet, and he had no, and he had no hair on the top of his head, but it was like all on the sides. But then he cut his hair, and it looked like he got hair again. He looked pretty good when he cut his hair. Oh, look at this! Michael Bolton is listed as an executive producer of the show. Okay, all right, that sounds a little. Get out of here! That's another joke. I wish I had tape of Michael Bolton singing one of these celebrity songs. Oh, my God. We got to get that for people. He had another song, too. I don't know if he ever wrote any. I don't think this was his first hit. I could see him doing I could see him doing the Righteous Brothers song, uh, Bring Back That Love and Feeling. You got that love oh, yeah. and feeling. I could see him doing that. Yeah, here's Michael Bolton. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bolton at WNBC. I could hardly believe it when I heard Oh, he's so dreamy. I know. It's so, he's so dreamy. I know his future is going to be bright. I must meet him. The 
There's no way he'll end up on Celebrity Dating Game. <laughs> oh, good. Here's Michael Fulton. more hit songs and one or two less children. You guys will like this. Here's Michael Bolton singing for Joey Lawrence. Uh, I guess oh, Joey Lawrence wow. was the Joey celebrity Lawrence, date. One of those kid celebrities who's now grown up. Yeah. I told Beth, I need to divorce you so I can be a contestant on Celebrity Dating Game. <laughs> <laughs> Just for a week, I'm going to divorce you so I can get on there. And then I'll be running right back home. <laughs> but here it is like here the Joey who's going to get Joey Lawrence so they basically spell it out here they what what show what TV show was on uh, Joey Lawrence on Oh god I don't even I remember don't know that. Yeah yeah it's, whatever it is you'll hear it right up front probably Blossom Blossom oh, He Blossom brother on Blossom Yeah He Blossom very yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right here's um Michael Bolton singing on Celebrity Dating Game. How can they be lovers if they can't be friends? He grew up in Philly where the talent never ends, baby. He likes saying whoa on a show I recommend. See, the other thing, too, is you can't even understand the words if you really want right. you know, he, you know, he grew up in Philly and uh, he grew up in Philly. Was I'm and I'm like, what? Sing the enunciate, fucker! I need to hear the clues. It'd be funny after he sings the song. The girls just get up and walk out. They're like, <laughs> because they don't want that celebrity. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, Joey Lawrence, fuck him. <laughs> He thinks he's in concert. But let me finish this song. He's the oldest brother and they're all best, all best friends. <laughs> I'm never going to get it from this. Oh, no, you're not. Look at him now. Look at him, baby. Play the hot man, Manny. Play the hot man, Manny. What? <laughs> He played a hot man, male nanny. Or the, the whole, the whole fucking point of having this guy standing there is that he's going to reveal who the celebrity is, and you don't know what he's saying. He's a hot man, manny. It's got to be depressing. I'm really working for him. on these lyrics now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We wrote a song. Uh, you don't see Bruce Springsteen doing this. He had more hit songs. Yeah, here he is singing for Carmen Electra. Wow. It's not even a well, parody. Yeah, listen. <laughs> hmm. All right. <laughs> no Playboy when she's gone. What? Married to Ain't... Dennis in the day. What Dennis? Oh, Everybody's oh, going to immediately say Dennis Rodman? Ain't no playboy when she's gone. <laughs> 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 it is his version what? of hell. And no playboy when she's gone. Just... When she's gone, there's no playboy? <laughs> married to Dennis. I'm sure she was thrilled with married to Dennis today. back in the day. <laughs> what? Pop culture icon. 
She's a popcorn cherry bomb? No. What do you say? culture icon. Oh. He's a popcorn cherry bomb. <laughs> <laughs> can't even get the words but out. None of these things would make me say Carbon Electra. <laughs> Popcorn cherry bomb. Who knows what he... <laughs> lifeguard in the Bay? Played a lifeguard in the Bay. Oh. <laughs> You'd be good on this show. <laughs> They even interviewed Michael Bolton. If Robin said, were only dating. That's the problem. <laughs> Michael Bolton said, it's not easy on learning these songs. I know so well. In other words, this is a difficult thing for him. I've, I've sung these songs a thousand times, and now there's new, you know, it's hard to dig in to a line melodically that you're not used to doing. Like, he's actually going around he's being interviewed. He's making this work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very difficult. You know, when I, I remember when singing to... Uh, Carmen Electra, it was very hard to put the word bay in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she banged Prince back in the day. <laughs> uh, Carmen's probably like, what the fuck am I doing with my Everybody life? Everybody there is wondering why they're there. What the hell happened? We were it's on a very, top. <laughs> it's a very existential moment. Yeah, but she, she got, got a lot better stars than Dancing with the Stars. She had perfect titties in the day. <laughs> had a vagina men would slay. Caught Dennis Rodman in the bed with two chicks. <laughs> While he was fucking them with his big dick. <laughs> what a show. You got to see this show. This is some fucking show they put together. Big moment. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Singled out on every day. Singled out on every day. What does that mean? What a waste of time. You I do you know, I have fast forward when I watch a show. I could not sit through Michael Bolton singing about the celebrity. I mean, I've never made it I've never gotten this far. You're waiting and waiting and waiting for yeah. You know, somebody to pick a celebrity and then for the surprise when they come out and see the celebrity. And you got to win well, through Michael Bolton. The show's insufferably long, too. Like, the good thing about Dating Game was it was kind of tight. It the celebrity would come out or the, the the Bachelor would come out. A couple of questions and then the big decision. And they got in a half hour, they got two in. Well, this thing goes on and on. They take a commercial break. They come back with more questions. Then it's Michael Bolton's song. It isn't that <laughs> intriguing. No. And like, I don't know what happened to television executives. Back in the day, television <laughs> executives would give you notes. And if you ever saw an interview with like famous directors, they go, I hated the studio system. They'd give me notes. They'd give me notes to death. Yeah, they gave you notes to death because most of your shit sucks and you don't know it. Yeah, this would have been on television long ago if they didn't give yeah. notes. If I was a television executive and they handed in this piece of shit, 
I'd be like, listen, I'm paying you to do this. Cut this in half and fucking put a sheet over Mike, Michael Bolton when he's done singing. It's disturbing <laughs> to see him sitting there. No, why would you even have Michael Bolton in. there? This yeah. is stupid. Oh. oh, it's so bad. Now they should add him to every show. You know, like even those judges shows. He should sing the verdict. <laughs> Want to hear Michael Bolton? Yeah, Michael Bolton should be on every show. <laughs> At the end I of the show, he's seems... going to take up the majority of this one. <laughs> like even on Saturday Night Live, at the end, they whoever's the you know want to think it's cheering for today, singing his songs in a way, and our special guest host Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Here he is singing about Margaret Cho. I mean, you know, my God, and it goes Margaret on Cho. and on. How do you Margaret what Cho? Clues do you put in that song? I don't know, but I'm curious. Serious song. The stand-up comics really got a way of driving me crazy. I need somebody. Oh my god. They She's must have a, a guy in the audience say, clap and yell now. Because <laughs> they, oh, they, they all, don't know what he's every, thinking about. All the contestants get up and start dancing and clapping. She's a lady of Asian descent. You can't say that because then, you know, throw Michael Bolton off the show. <laughs> He'll get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get canceled, imagine. Somebody to know, somebody to laugh, American girl. It's easy to say, but it's never the same. I watched all of the specials, then I watched them you know, you always wanted challenges to become something better. Dude, 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 calm down. We're enjoying Michael Bolton. How dare you? This is his big moment. How could you enjoy that? This guy, this guy's singing his brains out trying to describe Margaret Cho, and nothing so far would give you a clue, and you're just talking right over it. I mean, how about, like, just be a little more She's got three letters in her last name. By the way, the guy on the phone is annoying me. <laughs> What's new? Oh, like I, the one I watched all the way through is Carson Cressley, the guy from Queer Eye for the something. Straight guy. Queer Eye, Queer Eye for the straight guy. Whatever the fuck that show was. I know Carson because Beth did a TV show years ago when I first met Beth. She was a judge on a TV show with Carson, and they worked in Vegas. And I remember I was, like, missing Beth terribly. We just started going out, and she got this gig being the the one of the judges on some show. It was the fucking most crazy fucking show. But I went Crazier out to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was horrible. I mean, and Beth was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to come home. So uh, I went out to Vegas to see her. We had a week off, and I went out to Vegas. I missed my girlfriend. I hadn't seen her in two or three weeks. And I'm like, for this fucking lame show. But Carson was one of the other judges, and the guy's a scream. I mean, he's really funny. And uh, I hung with him one night, and was we had a good time. So when he was on Celebrity Dating Game, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm motivated to watch this. And it was like, they even with Carson, they, they think the date, the dating game itself went on for fucking an hour. It was like enough already. Let him yeah. choose a guy. These guys should be backstage blowing each other already. 
<laughs> I mean, they should have already broken up. They had a relationship. Everything happened. <laughs> and, the, and so the first episode I ever saw was Carson Presley. And, the, and then when they, they – I go, is that Michael Bolton? They, like, they drag him out on that <laughs> thing, and he started singing about Carson Presley. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is this, a, is this like a parody that you'd see on SCTV or something? Or are you having Michael Bolton's nightmare? <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't He might ride a horse with you. Ride a horse? You see him on drag race too. Friends with RuPaul, baby. And you don't want to miss a thing. He loves the taste of balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to feel really sorry for Michael Bolton. He was an extra on Sex in the City. Pussy's not his thing. He often gets confused with Carson Daly. Yeah. And why is this one so sad? These people are supposed to be getting a date. Yeah, anyway, they suck the life out of the whole concept of the dating game. It's great. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun and lighthearted and silly. And you got all and, this going on. And Carson's a really funny guy, but they suck the funny right out of him with this thing. I mean, it's the greatest celebrity dating game. Oh, my God. You got to watch just one episode. See if you can get through it. I guarantee you won't get <laughs> yeah, through Michael Bolton's song. I've never watched the whole episode. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't either. I fast forward. I mean, you can't take it. I just like to see record this. Like this... <laughs> I just like to see the celebrity come out and see how you know if they look bad or good or right. Well, you know. there's something, <laughs> and you don't get they the feeling even that. And dancing with the star. and you don't get the feeling that like they even go out on a real date. Like there's no opportunity. Like the, one of the reasons you like the Bachelor, Bachelorette, you really do. At least you're under the illusion that romance might happen. Right. You don't get yeah. the feeling that there's going to be some date between Carmen Electra and one of these, you know, douchebags or Carson Kressley and whoever's sitting there. You know, just like you just tell it's the whole thing's just a train wreck. Train wreck. When I saw it, I was like, this is unbelievable. Nobody would believe me if I told them I saw yeah, I thought, this on TV. I thought I was the only one watching it. I was pretty <laughs> sure. I, I, I was like, they had a rating of one, not a one share, just one person. <laughs> I think everyone feels that way if they're watching. Celebrity Dating Game was a summer show on ABC. Now, this is shocking, which averaged about 2 million viewers following The Bachelorette. No word. Yeah. 2 million idiots like us were watching it. No word yet if there'll be a season two. Oh, please. Michael Bolton can't do this again. (laughs) Well, what else? It seems like a lot of people. Like, what? Didn't David Letterman get like 2 million? Okay. Hey, Pocket, I got to go, pal. You're you're a good guy. Hey, real quick, real quick. (laughs) Jesus, this dude was stepping on everything I had to say. I know. Yeah. Oh, look. Ralphie boy, I didn't know you were a big uh, celebrity dating game fan. (laughs) I watch, unlike you, I watch every second, every episode. That was the fucking best show on TV. And please, you know know people at ABC, bring that back for season two. I I just fucking loved it. 
loved it. There was nothing not to like about it. I mean, you just stare at Michael Bolton. You can't believe this. this, It's like a robot. It's like a puppet. If you told me it was a puppet, I was like, oh, yeah, it was a puppet. Well, the guy, it's like he doesn't know whether to hide or, I mean, this guy had a major career. I mean, this is not a guy who... You know, yeah, but he's got who, this, like some sort of plastic surgery in his hair, and it's like his face is just rigid. Well, and come on, what, come on, we all and, age. And, Let's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, who cares? But the voice is still great. I don't know yeah. what he's singing about, but his voice is great. <laughs> hey, Donna, you're on the air. Hey, Howard. Hey, now. Hey, now. The reason I'm calling is I just wanted to say Michael Bolton um, has stooped to the level of a um, he's stooped to the level of being on e-cards for American greetings. So I torture my family and all my friends and I send them a personalized greeting from Michael Bolton as often Mm. as I can, whether it's their birthday or not. There you go. Wow. We didn't know he had these other sideline businesses. Who knew Michael Bolton was so busy? Uh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> hey, great to hear um, hear your voice. Um, so Michael Bolton also did a Honda um, Honda commercial series during, like it was just a few years ago, and it was like a jingle, and it was enough to make your ears bleed because they played it like every like every other commercial. Does, I don't know if anybody else remembered that, but I think we all blocked it out. Yeah, you got to make a living. I'm not going to fault the guy. No, I don't even you fault know. him for taking this job. I just couldn't believe it. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, hey, he's, you just he's can't believe done it. a lot. All right, Stacy, yeah. thank you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's my uh, celebrity dating game. It's pretty dark out there. Some of these shows. Uh, here's some uh, people. Hannah Brown from from The Bachelorette was on. She was the big celebrity. I watched that one. I saw that one. That's the one that, I saw. And nobody knew who anybody me. was. Like, The Bachelors no didn't know who she was. It was crazy. Well, after Michael <laughs> Bolton's song on that one, the, the three guys went, who? Huh? <laughs> Hannah Brown. Who's that? Hannah Brown. What, what am I missing here? Carson uh, uh, Kressley. At least I knew who he was. Iggy Azalea, she's one of those people I went, I think she's a big star. What's she doing on Celebrity Dating Game? But maybe she's well, not. Well, she had a big hit. And then, I don't know, what happened? Something went hmm. wrong. Tyson Beckford, is that that guy who's a model? He's the model, yes. Model. See, well, David Kochner, who's that? Okay, Kochner. now we're off the charts. <laughs> yeah, David, like Harmon Electra, I know who that is. And I've heard the name Tyson Beckford. Gabriel Iglesias. Who's that? Not Julio. Comedian. Gabriel. <laughs> comedian. That like, uh, oh, that's a comedian. I thought it was like Julio Iglesias' grandson. I was like, oh, is there another? I never heard of him. Who's David Koshner? Iglesias. Gary. K-O-E-C-H-N-E-R. David Koshner. No Ke- it's Keckner. He, uh, he played the sports guy in Anchorman. <laughs> wow. Okay. Woo. Nice. Rashad Jennings is that like an athlete? Yeah. anybody anybody named Rashad is an athlete? Is it to me? <laughs> Chris Catan, I know. I think he's funny. He used to be on Saturday Night Live. He's very Alive. funny. Yeah, I can see why he, he, was, he would do it. 
Wasn't he like Monkey Boy or whatever? Remember, he used to be a monkey and climb up people's That's legs. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. And he was the, the you know, the bobbing head one. Wasn't he one of the bobbing head yep. dudes? Yeah. Yep. The guy who would go out dancing. Yeah. And they'd ask girls to dance and get rejected. Right. He's, he's funny. I don't know what happened to him. I think he had back pain. Oh, really? Yeah. Some I read something like where he couldn't work anymore. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Margaret Cho, I know at least. She's a comedian. Yeah. Joey Lawrence, I've heard of. Marcus Scribner. Who's that? Sounds like another athlete. Don't know. Yeah. No. Marcus Scribner. I think he's an, uh, a young actor that's on that show, Blackish. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, ABC seems to be doubling down on making these bachelors and bachelorette celebrities. So Hannah Brown yeah. do the show. <laughs> long as we're long as we're talking about that, uh, I, I didn't get to see it, but uh, I saw this morning in the news that Olivia Jade got booted off of Dancing with the Stars, and boy, I tell you, you know, a, a, a prettier girl you'd be hard pressed to find than Olivia Jade. She was. Uh, I saw her dance. She was like, she's, she's almost at the level. I'd say she's at the level of a professional dancer. Her last dance. And I, like I said, she's probably in terms of being an amateur, she's probably the best one on there, but America couldn't bring themselves to vote for her. So they voted her off because she got into college, you know, illegally. She cheated. And, you know, she stayed on longer than you expected her to. Well, the judges did do a save, Robin. They saved her, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. America had, you know, because like that British dude, Len, was like, well, you know, America, I think, got it wrong. So we're going to bring back uh, <laughs> Olivia Jade. We, that's our decision. I'm it's saving like, dude, Olivia. No more save Olivia Jade. <laughs> this fucking guy. That show drives me fucking crazy. So, you know, I'm watching the show. And somebody's dancing. Don't ask me who. And they they did a real good job, and they finished. And the the judge, you know, goes, "Well, I saw a lift in there. You did a lift. We know there's no lifts. So a lift in dancing, I guess, is when you Lifts lift the girl and waltz. up. I've seen this. You cannot yeah. leave the floor. Your feet do not leave the floor in right. a waltz. So it's clearly the rule of Dancing with the Stars. One of the rules. The only rule seems to be." Don't do a lift. So, uh, and a waltz, because you see other lifts and other dances, but the waltz is no lifts. All right. So, <laughs> so I'm watching the show the other night, and uh, the guy goes, You did a lift. Uh, we know that it's, it's against the rules to do a lift. I have to deduct points. And I'm like, this is such a bullshit fucking thing. First of all, the professional dancer is the one who decides what they're going to do. Yeah, they choreograph it and decide whether there's going to be a lift or not. Why should the celebrity get the points deducted? They're just following along what the teacher teaches them. They don't know a waltz from a rumba. You can't. I'd be. I would put. If I was the dancer, I'd go. Hey, wait a second. I'm going to stop the show here a minute. Don't deduct points from me. Fire this fucking asshole. He told me to do a lift. I did what he told me to do. I did what I was instructed. How dare Here. you? You know and who that's seems why to be... You give me this professional dancer. They're supposed to know the rules. You know who's, supposed, who's the lift police is that Carrie Ann Anaba. That's like her big yeah. thing. I saw a lift. 
Like what? What? What did you join the FBI? Suddenly, or uh, what? what you just fucking She's calm like the down. Sherlock Holmes of dancing. She can find every lift. Yeah, listen. This is a montage I put together of all the times I've heard this lifting bullshit. It lasted for like two seconds, and then you kind of started dancing small. A little awkward, and there was a lift at the end. Welcome back, but keep those feet on the ground. Keep them on the ground, the toes on the ground the whole way. Sorry. I was rooting for you, but then the lift, there was a little, there was just two little mishaps. Um, yeah. Um, mishaps. It was a little lift. Just a little, I know, you know, I, I got to do it. It's, I have to be fair to everybody. No, I mean, it's part of the rule. We're not supposed to lift in walls. There he yeah. is. <laughs> okay, Sidney, there was a tiny lift. Your leg came off the, at, the, at the end of it. At the end, so they only went around like 20 times. There was bound to happen. Carrie Ann Inaba. And there was a lift. Because the lyric says define gravity, I don't think that's a, a good moment to do a lift. Because, you know, lifts are not allowed in this dance, but you stuck one in. This fucking guy, he don't look like he can lift his leg. And uh, I'll tell you, if I'm a contestant on that show, you can't take... You see, she goes, there was a lift, sorry, an eight. She was going to give a nine. I, I go, you cannot deduct points. The professionals are teaching that... Ah, the whole fucking system's rigged. And they never get that the, the teacher is the is that <laughs> They always yeah. penalize the dancer like they yeah. were supposed to correct the teacher. I want to do a version of Dancing with the Stars where uh, if there's a lift or something, they get tased. Like, you know, they shock the ball. <laughs> it's like Bubba's bit. <laughs> All right. We saw a lift. Right now, here's our celebrity, Bubba the Love Sponge, to shock your balls. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, she went home. Uh, Olivia Jade went home. And she had to go home. She couldn't win. They couldn't make her the winner because America can't deal with somebody who cheated to get into college. That's it. Well, they, America can't deal with somebody who cheats to get into college but they can deal with somebody who cheats to get into the white house yeah well that's different because you have to make america great again <laughs> yeah i like all those dudes like congress subpoenaed a whole bunch of people to come testify in the january 6th insurrection investigation <laughs> and he just went yeah fuck you i'm not going like i used to think congress had power i'm like dude you tell con congressmen that, that you're not dude. testifying I thought for sure they just throw you right in fucking jail for a year. Like you can't, you can't, you can't just ignore a subpoena. Yeah, we're discovering a lot about government that you don't mm. really want to know. Like they in got Trump on, age. they got Trump on tape. This is mind blowing to me. He called up a dude, a, an election official. Do. I forget where, like Georgia or something. He in called Georgia. him up. Yeah, he called him up and he goes, "You got it on tape." They go. He goes, listen, you got to find me 11,000 votes. I don't care how the fuck you do it. <laughs> and the guy goes, Mr. President, I can't, I can't do that. And, come on, come on. You can find me. I mean, I thought you'd just go right to prison if, if you tamper with an election. I don't know. Now I'm like, you know what? I guess he can go into the voting booth and just piss in it. I mean, who gives a shit? No, but you no, can piss I feel on like the voters. You could go into the election booth where a voter is trying to vote and piss on them. I feel like there's no laws. There's no standards anymore. I mean, that fucking guy, I, I saw this morning, I woke up, the Daily Mail front page, the um, 
uh, TMZ, my comments about Aaron Rodgers were like big news that I, I, I think I'm going to run for president. I think I'm running I know, the country. I they keep quoting you about everything. I know. I'm like, who the <laughs> fuck am I? I, I just if said, Trump, hey. If Trump decides to run again, you have to run against him. That's I know. my plan. I'll beat his ass. Yes, but that's what's going to have to happen. I'm, I'm, we can't I, leave it to the Democrats. No, I told Did Beth. He? I said, I think I'm going to have to do my civic duty and run for president against you Trump. You say, honey, no. get ready to be first lady. I would just sit there and debate and play that fucking clip of him fucking trying to fix the election over and over again. There's no way I'd lose. Just the same thing over and over again. You know who's going to be my press secretary, J.D.? No one's going to know what the fuck I'm up to. <laughs> we understand President Stern uh, is trying to pass a bill that will uh, make uh, prostitution legal. I don't stop having press conferences because so yep. little comes out. <laughs> right. No, I'm going to have Michael Bolton sing at my press conferences. He'll sing my answers. Hey, but uh, yeah, my comments yesterday, I was like, Aaron Rodgers is a scumbag. That's there's no, you know, it's a, it's a no brainer slam dunk. I don't care what side of the world you're on, whether you're a right winger or left winger in the middle somewhere. Fucking guy's got teammates. He's not telling. He's t- he's sort of with a wink saying he's vaccinated. Well, his fellow I'm immunized. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, listen, you know, these people have to go home to their families. They think he's immunized. They have to go home to their kids, their parents, and the. Uh, don't get me started. Why? Well, not why only that, that, he expects them to protect him when yep. he's out there trying to get into a position to throw that stupid football. They have to throw their bodies at people who are trying to get to him, and he expects them to take care of him. But he won't I'd take let care a, of anybody else. If I was a player on that team, I'd let a couple of guys throw. Fuck it, <laughs> let him, let him deck them. He's an arrogant fuck, though. I saw that uh, press conference, you know, and then when he's expl- he's very arrogant. I like that he's so fucking smart. He's like, it, it goes under the category of people who think they're smarter smarter than doctors. And, you know, doctors are the top echelon in our country. I'm talking well, academics Well, how smart now. could you be? You didn't even figure this out on your own. You called Joe Rogan. Well, you know, I I look at this. And uh, this goes under like the Steve Jobs category. I'll tell you the story of Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, he's a bright guy. When it comes to computers and everything, we know he's the Mozart of computers. But this guy, Steve Jobs, got so lucky. He went for a scan. He had kidney stones. So he goes for a scan. Listen to this. To the doctor. They do a full body workup and they go, holy shit, we just got lucky. When we scanned you for the kidney stones, guess what? We found the beginnings of some cancer cells in your pancreas. And pancreatic cancer is the most aggressive vile cancer, but you just got lucky because they never can diagnose it early enough. Steve Jobs got diagnosed early enough. They said, listen, we're going to operate on you and we could save your life. He goes, dude, I know better than doctors. I'm a very smart guy. It's, it's the Trump move. I'm the, an eccentric genius or whatever the fuck he says I am. I'm a stable genius. <laughs> I'm a stable genius. I, I invented computers and everything, so I know better than everyone. Okay. So he goes home, and what does he do? He gets on some cockamamie internet, like the fucking morons, like Aaron Rodgers. Gets on the internet, and he finds out, I'm going to drink carrot juice. I'm going to drink so much fucking carrot juice, because what's healthier than carrots? Look at fucking Bugs Bunny. He's a talking rabbit. What is the talking rabbit? Talking rabbit's got to be a genius. He eats carrots all the time and gets all kind of powers. 
So like Bugs Bunny, Steve Jobs, because he's smarter than the doctors, Steve Jobs goes ahead and starts. Now, when I say he drank carrot juice, this motherfucker drank so much fucking carrot juice, he started turning orange. <laughs> it's legendary. This brilliant guy. And it was probably no internet for him. Yeah, who knows? He probably heard from, he probably called Joe Rogan. <laughs> carrot juice, asshole. <laughs> drink carrot juice. That's what we're into over here. Who knows who he called? I don't know who he called, but somehow he got this in his head. He's going to drink carrot juice. In fact, when, um, when, um, a, uh, who's married who? to Mila Kunis? Who's married to Mila Kunis? Ashton, oh, Ashton uh, Kutcher. Okay, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher. Yes. When Ashton Kutcher played Steve Jobs in the movie, he decided he was going to drink the carrot juice to get into character. This is what actors do. Don't ask me to explain it. But carrot juice is going to help with the character. Carrot juice is going to make him think he's uh, Steve Jobs. <laughs> All right. So he said, "Let me see what Steve Jobs is up to." Here, here's Mila Kunis explaining. This is a great clip. She's talking about her husband when he was playing Steve Jobs. So while preparing for Steve Jobs, he talked about getting severe back pain and a fear that he'd given himself pancreatitis because he was drinking too much carrot juice. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's downplaying it. He was so dumb. He also, I think, only ate, like, grapes at one point. That fruit diet. Yeah, it was so, it's so stupid. Um, we ended up in the hospital twice <laughs> with pancreatitis. <laughs> so fact check, yes, it was really dumb. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. Drinking carrot juice and, you know, this is what people get into. If carrot juice could cure cancer, don't you think it would have been figured out? No. Why would people tell you all these other things to do if carrot juice works? Well, guess what Steve Jobs is doing now? He's, 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 he's fertilizer. pushing up daisies, as he's they He's pushing up it. daisies. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's what the fucking guy's doing right now. And imagine how awesome our iPhones would be if this guy was still around. He... You know, he didn't, he wouldn't stand for the fact that the iPhone, the last 10 iPhones haven't improved really, except for the fucking camera. You know, he would not be putting up with this because, wait a second. Well, man, there'd we be need... things more than the iPhone. There'd be oh. other innovations. Yeah. If Steve Jobs was still here, you'd be um, teletransporting to uh, <laughs> uh, cities. You wouldn't even need airplanes anymore if he was still alive. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you would just press a button on your iPhone and would like, you know, like Star Trek, you would you would appear somewhere else. When you drove somewhere, your car could fold up into a microchip and you could put it in your pocket instead of worrying about parking. Yeah. I'll tell you what. If if uh if Steve Jobs was still around, We'd still have a headphone port in that phone. I guarantee it. This fucking Tim <laughs> Cook. I, if I ever get to meet this guy, I'm going to go, dude, can you just give me the headphone you port? You don't like the AirPod? It's fine. Except when it falls out of my ear every 10 minutes. <laughs> it falls into the <laughs> toilet. I love that. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's another couple of hundred bucks. Oh, yeah. Steve Jobs would not put up with the, bu the bullshit design on those ear pods. No fucking way. He'd design your ear. <laughs> redesign your ear <laughs> yes the fit fucking thing uh doctor now just wants to reiterate uh doctor now from uh 600 pound life uh he wants to tell people please listen to doctors and not drink carrot juice yes doctor now how y'all doing you gotta listen to your doctor you know i deal with these, these piggies all day 
They try to tell me they gain 50, 60 pounds from water. You don't weigh 600, 700 pounds because you drink water. <laughs> you put up something, it's not water. Right. You got to listen to your doctor. Of course, Dr. Now. from America, Russia, Timbuktu, you got to listen because you're going to die. You're going to die young. You need the psychotherapy. You know what you're I was thinking about with you? I love yeah. uh, I love on the show, when, on your TV show, when, you know, the guy's fat and he won't lose weight and you turn to the camera and you go, I don't know. He isn't listening to me. I'm very worried about Stephen. You know, it's a, it's it's like it's such a great move you do. Yeah, I I I try to appeal to the audience. I say I don't know what to do with this guy. He doesn't listen. I think he might be on drugs. He's gonna <laughs> die. Oh, well, I'm gonna leave him alone. If he wants to die, he's gonna die. What is I, this? I love when Doctor Now does surgery. I love when he does the fat surgery and. He's got this long thing yeah. that looks like a cattle prod, and he just sticks it into the belly of the fat people, and he starts pumping it real fast. It doesn't right, even look like, like he's... Yeah, he looks like he's trying look to like, erase yeah. the fat. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? It's like, what the hell is... it's like being a World War II gunner. You sit in this seat, you go... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dr. Now. That's Dr. Now. Uh, here's Dr. C. Hi, Dr. C. South Carolina. What's up? Hey. Hey, good morning, Howard. Uh, so, so, listen, I take care of cancer patients. I'm actually a colon surgeon. And it is not uncommon that I'll have a patient that instead of wanting chemotherapy, they decline it and they say, well, I'm going to take carrot juice. And yeah. many of these patients, unfortunately, miss out on really great medication that's going to prolong their life. And I've had many patients, even young, that died because they didn't, I think, get the chemotherapy uh, because they tried to do alternative therapy, and then they come back, and it's too late to do anything with it at all. So I think there's a, there's a balance. I think you can incorporate both. There's no reason why they have to be mutually exclusive. Oh, please. They'd be better off sticking a carrot up their ass. But he's right. Oh, well, if you think well, alternative surgeries work or alternative treatments work, why can't you do both? Listen, there's no reason why as, as Robin knows more than anyone, as Robin knows more than anyone, doctor, and I agree with you, that's good advice. Uh, I thank God for modern science every single day. Now, Robin had a very aggressive cancer. Uh, yeah, you can play that music because <laughs> she had a very aggressive cancer and those doctors got a hold of her. They chopped oh, out that cancer. They got a hold of me. <laughs> they got a hold of you. I saw what they did. They got a hold of you. 12 hours they worked on her. I didn't know what was going on. I never heard of 12 hour surgery. I didn't even know you could be under for 12 hours. I wish they put me under for 12 hours. But anyway, I was jealous. I was ready to hop into bed with her. But they worked on her and they radiated, they chemoed the hell out of her. I mean, I don't. Well, first, I mean, you know why it took 12 hours? I mean, it really was painstaking work because Absolutely. that tumor was laying on every other organ in my pelvis and they literally had to scrape it off. So this yeah. was like painstaking, meticulous work to remove this thing and give me a chance at life. Now, I'll tell you why, why this is such a great story. And this is why I love doctors. And doctors are the creme de la creme 
of our universe. You understand, they're the top students. They are to be very respected. Now, I am someone who never could be a doctor. I don't have the, uh, I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the uh, SATs. I don't have the grades. And also, I'm somebody who wings it. You understand? <laughs> when I went yeah. to school, the teachers said, uh, Howard, how do you know this? And I'd say, well, I figured. My mother loves to tell this story. In math class, I go, well, I figure this is the answer. I fi- There's no figure. It's either the answer or it isn't the answer. I know people who went to medical school. I live with four medical students. All of these guys don't figure anything. They know the answers. They're willing to sit and meticulously do the homework. As Robin points out, to scrape off this fucking tumor off all her organs. You can't have some douchebag in there who figures. You got to know. Yeah, Yeah. you got to. I cut corners. I cut corners. I look for the quickest way to get the fuck out of there. I want to get home. These guys are unbelievable. And you motherfuckers out there who disrespect doctors with your fucking stupid carrot juice theories. And you know better. You know what you were like in school. You know what who the superior students were. You know you got no business researching any. Don't even look at the internet. Just go to your doctor. You knew. You fucking moron. Aaron Rodgers, big dummy, probably has fucking the onset of, uh, what, what's that shit when you get hit in the head too much? Could, probably the, got the that. Concussion? Yeah. That what do they big, call that? Big dummy sitting there. Well, I know well, what to do. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to take a horse fucking urine and stick I'm it in my call ass. Joe Rogan and talk about this. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, what, what I advise people to do is to bring that same information to their doctor and just have a conversation. Say, listen, I'd like to incorporate the use of this. Is it safe? Is it interfering with my other medications? Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Like, like Beth, Beth was all excited. We got our medical exam and she, um, Dr. Vegas told her she was low on iron, right? Low on iron. So Beth got all excited. She went on the internet. She found, um, uh, gummy bear vitamins uh, <laughs> loaded with iron. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, I go, uh, hey, Dr. Agus, Beth found gummy bear uh, iron. <laughs> he goes, listen, <laughs> listen, Beth, you're too old for gummy bears. That's for kids. You're going to take a regular iron pill. You know, you know in other words, yeah, you can bring all your cockamamie theories to your doctor. But Steve Jobs who's a bright guy, realized after nine months he made a mistake with the diets and the acupuncture and all the bullshit. It was nine fucking months? Only nine, nine months. months. Nine months, because it's a, it's a sad story. The guy could have lived. And that's not the only example. That's not the only example. If you go through, there have been many other examples of people who have, you know, tried the alternative therapy. And, I, you know, I'm not against alternative therapy. I just don't think they should be mutually exclusive. And then it's just too late to do anything about it. There you go. Anti-vax mom in Texas. A mom of four. She has four children who died of COVID days after her husband made one final wish. Make sure my kids get vaccinated. A few weeks ago, Lydia Rodriguez thought her body was strong enough to fight the coronavirus without the vaccine. But after a week-long church camp, she and other members of her family tested positive for the coronavirus. By the time Rodriguez, 42, changed her mind and asked for the shot, it was too late. Her doctor said a ventilator awaited her. Her cousin Dottie Jones told the Washington Post. 
My sure. body's strong. <laughs> well, stupid, well, 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 Howard, that's a really sad conversation to have with people, though, when they come in because there's not much you can do for them of course when not. they've waited a really long time to actually accept the therapy. So it's really a tough and a sad the conversation mother, to have. Listen to this, Doc. The mother of four asked her family to make a promise. Quote, please make sure my kids get vaccinated. Rodriguez, a piano teacher, told her sister during the last phone call. She died Monday, two weeks after her husband, Lawrence, also died. Yeah, the kids from- are orphans. Yep. The couple fought the virus from hospital beds just a few feet from one another. How romantic. In a Texas, a Texas intensive care unit. Hard to feel bad for these people. I'm sorry. Well, I do feel bad do? for them because you, they've you been do. misled their entire lives. Now, this guy, uh, Aaron. If, if uh, you had waited. Now, this guy, Aaron Rodgers. I'll tell you what he's good at. He's good at throwing a ball. Not yeah, science. It's pretty incredible when they can throw that ball through all yeah. of the people rushing at them and hit a receiver. There That's you amazing. go. That's but it. Stick to that. I wouldn't let him treat me for a disease. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let me treat me for a disease. <laughs> well, he's I know himself. Me. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't let him treat me for a disease, and he shouldn't do it either. I'm a big moron. I know that. I don't act. You know, I can tell you I'm smart. But I know that deep down inside, I'm an idiot. The other thing I'm hearing is exactly what um, Angry Black said yesterday. I'm not anti-vax. I'm anti-bully. Mm, okay. I'm like, you people are just, get over yourselves. All right, Doc. I got to go. People tell you to do things every Thanks, day. Uh, you can't smoke in a restaurant. What, Doc? I said, have a great day. Keep up the great yeah, work, you too. getting the word out. Robin, we love you. Thank you. Everyone everyone loves Robin. You're right about that, doctor. Everyone knows that. You don't have to be a doctor to know that. Thank you. Everyone. You know, I, I really am going to, one of these days, I'm going to, you know, I know you're very upset about not having voted in this last election. Yeah. And I No, 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 say- in the mayor, mayoral election. The last, the last election was the yeah. one that just happened. Yeah, I don't want you to think. I don't want anyone out there to think I didn't vote. for You didn't uh, vote for president, right? No. Yeah, but you didn't make it in for for uh, to vote in the the mayoral election of yep. New York City. And I'm not going to. I know you were very upset, but I, if one of these days I'll tell you what I went through to go vote. Oh, I can't wait for that story. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of medical shit, too, I mean, uh, Beth's finally going for that colonoscopy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I wanted her to go to a female doctor. But she found a good male doctor, and I don't... I don't want anyone... I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I was like yelling at her last night. <laughs> I, go, I don't want any guy... I don't want you unconscious in a room nude. He won't be alone, I hope. I mean, uh, I, sure it's not a date. No, no, no. The guy's a very good doctor. We, I checked them out and everything. But So he I want to go. complaints from people. I want to go with her to the doctor appointment. She won't let me. She's making me. She's saying, no, that's, I'm not looking for you. You know, she thinks because she's getting the colonoscopy. She doesn't even. She's telling me now she's got to do the prep. And that's where you shit out your brains. You know, you drink all that stuff and you shit. And she says, I'm not even allowed near her bathroom when this prep is going on. She actually wants me to leave the house. 
Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to be um, anywhere in the vicinity? You should be in another another building. <laughs> I said to her, listen, cut it out. I'll st- I'll keep my distance because you're going to be shitting your brains out. But you're going to notice every time she has to go run. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, first of all, she hates drinking any kind of fluid. She doesn't drink water. She doesn't, I say, you got to drink. Sometimes you get down 64 ounces of Gatorade. Yeah, I hope they've, um, I don't know what they're doing now. I haven't done that prep in a while. So I don't know I exactly what it takes. I did it two years ago and, yeah. you know, it's fine. Listen, you got to get a colonoscopy. You know, I'm just, you know, I don't think Beth shits that much. I think she's constantly constipated. So I think there's going to be a massive explosion in my house. <laughs> I think she's going to be like, I think something gargantuan is going to come out of her. I kind of want to be there for it. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to hear, like, some scream. Like, oh! Like, like, I picture the bowl just, like, filled all the way up to the top. Like, actually going outside of the bowl. can't even flush. Yeah. Like, she's going to lift up off the ground. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This mound is just going to come out. Like, it's piled up like bricks. Soft serve, anyone? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, hey, Finn. Finn from Louisiana. Morning. Morning, morning. How are you doing? Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Uh, you guys are completely right about the whole vaccine. Uh, I'm living a, a tale of two cities. Uh, my sister was anti vax, and it's not that she was a conspiracy theorist, it's just she, uh, was misinformed and uninformed about it. And every time my family and I tried to talk to her about it, she, she just didn't want to hear it. And now she passed away and it's a horrible way to die because, um, she was dented and, um, you know, they would lightly take her out of sedation and she, uh, she was still mentally intact. They would give her commands and she would respond. So, uh, the last, last, uh, couple of weeks of her, her life, she just, um, you know, she was trapped inside her body and, until the medication they kept giving her to uh, stay stabilized just turned into a poison and uh, took her life. Mm. How old a woman? She was 40, 42. Yeah. You know, there's this also misconception that only old people are dying from this. It's like the people are so misinformed, Finn. It's insane. Oh, Sorry about your sister. I don't. What the hell was she thinking? Like when you say she's misinformed, like who's she listening to? Uh, you know, who, uh, every, who, everybody else, everybody else except for the Surgeon General. You know, there's so much information, misinformation out there that it's like it's hard to weed through the facts. And the facts are out there. Just listen to the Surgeon General. Just listen to, you know, the CDC. You know, everybody else that. Everybody else, everybody that anybody should be listening to, no one's listening to. Like they all have their own, you know, voodoo. Yeah, what do you What voodoo do you think it is, though? Like, what What do they think the government's trying to kill them? I mean, are they that Are they that fucked up? I mean, what 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 is it? What they are? It's they either think that. It's either. It's either that or the people like are so hard headed that they don't want someone to tell them what to do and how to do it that they're willing to, you know put their life, you know, give up mm. their life for just a, a bad misconception. <laughs> Ugh, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Well, Why? there's also a lot Absolutely. of denial Absolutely. that anything can happen to you because, you know, yeah. you wouldn't give up your life for this. But, you know, it's oh, just yeah, like you said in that right, article. Probably. This woman thought she was strong enough. You know, she was fit. She was strong. Yeah, that's she a lot of that. She was going to fight it off. 
It's a lot of that mantra shit. Oh, I have a really good immune system. No, you're in a war with a virus that our bodies aren't really equipped to handle. It has nothing to do with your immune oh, system. Oh, I, I think people oh. think probably, oh, I can't see it, then it must not exist until it's like it's too late, and it's it's just completely wrong. People need to change their way of thinking and be open to immunizations because it's the only way that we're going to get rid of this. Dr. Egg said the greatest thing to me. He said, we're in a war. People don't see it, that we're in a war, and our bodies are losing. So they oh, came up with something to absolutely. turn us into Superman against this virus. They're so fucking done, the people in this country. Well, it's not oh, I just know. here. I'm, I'm I mean, it has happened in like, other you know, places. I, I just see zombies all around me because it's we're all the living dead. You know, everybody just doesn't care, and it's like you know, I, I mask up, and and I feel like I'm the only one doing it every time I go to different cities and different states, and it's like I, I feel like I'm a lone survivor. You know, me like too. That, uh, that movie with Denzel Washington, The Book of Eli, man, I'm just walking around with everyone that's uh, riddled with all these diseases and infections. I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> Great movie. I love that book of Eli. Yeah, it all is right. a good oh, movie. Yeah. Finn, my friend, I'm sorry about your sister. I wish we could have convinced her, but okay, that's it. Absolutely. Game over. Absolutely. That's it. All right, Finn, you take care. All right. All right. You too. Have a good one. Right. Bye. Well... The only cure for um, COVID really is Gardein. That's right. <laughs> Damn. This fall, check out the new ultimate plant-based chicken and the three new ultimate veggie burgers and savory chilies made from plant-based beef. For more information, visit Gardein.com. Actually, um... Uh, while not a cure for COVID, certainly uh, a good way to stay healthy and a good way to uh, enjoy uh, that vegetarian diet. Whether you just even say one meal a week, I'm going to make without plant, with, just through plant-based food. I'm not going to use any kind of meat or, you know, animals. And you kind of, and you check out this Gardein. If I tell you it tastes beautiful, beautiful, I'm not lying to you. It really yeah, is. Yeah, I gotta good. put that chicken on my grocery list. You know, I don't You'll love do it. my own grocery shopping. And if I don't have something new to the list, I just keep getting the same things all the time and I'm like, I want some guardian chicken. First of all, you're a superstar. There's no way you should be anywhere near a grocery <laughs> store. I, I don't even care about COVID. <laughs> and uh absolutely I love yeah. grocery shopping. It's something I've missed. Have your people get you guardian. <laughs> right now. Gardine for Miss Quivers. <laughs> Let's go. You get your food delivered. And it's going to be Gardine. <laughs> my Robin. <laughs> oh, Debbie to come ladies on the phone. Okay. What do you think? I like this idea of maybe we'll set up a dating game as. Yeah, you know, but it's got to happen. It's got to like um, end up where she <laughs> blows one of these guys, I guess. What did we think? High pitch? But we got to get uh, Michael Bolton. <laughs> yeah, we'll get him. We can get Michael Bolton. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Going out on a limb. Hey, Debbie, how are you? Hey, Howard. Uh, first, I want to thank you for introducing me to Jeff the Vomit Guy. Love speaking with him. And the stating game, yeah, definitely. Let's do it. I'm ready. 
Yeah, the fans, I just, I read the email earlier this morning, the fans were repulsed by the two of you, which made me think we need more of this. Like, well, I mean, you got to keep in mind who I am. I mean, I'm the cum slut. You can't expect anything less from me. What do, I mean, yeah. what do I want from a guy? A load. So that's all that's going to ever come out of my mouth. And you would really, for real now, all bullshit aside, you would blow High Pitch Eric or, um, you know, the winner of the dating game or Jeff the Vomit guy. Would you really blow those guys? Absolutely. I'm going to call Eric today and definitely make a plan for um, if he's willing to drive down here or maybe fly down, you know, for the weekend or whatever. Yeah, we'll do it. You have somebody come with him and videotape it. Absolutely. Jesus, you are hardcore. I'll show you how it's done. I'll show, you know, teach some people some things, what a mind-blowing blowjob looks like or sounds like. Debbie, like, do you, is there any guy you've ever met that you wouldn't blow? Um, no, I haven't. Um, there's not, I mean, you know, I'm, of course I'm more into blowing than fucking. Um, I've met some guys that had situations where they couldn't give me loads and just wanted to fuck. I won't just fuck anybody that I won't do. I mean, to me, there's no sense fucking if I'm not going to get a load. Um, he's kind of like pointless. It's worthless. Hmm. If I'm not going to get a load, fuck. but I haven't met a guy. I haven't blown to answer your question. Wow. I remember meeting you. I mean, I don't remember exactly what you look like, but I remember you were an attractive woman and you're well-spoken. Mm-hmm. It's confusing to me. You know what I mean? Like this, like just, it's, I guess it's a, it's a thing like a, I don't know what it is, but I mean, you know, you got a good job, you're bright you, and yet you don't really, you just, you really need physically to swallow cum. It's wild. Wild. It's hard to believe, you know, I mean, you even got vaccinated because you didn't want to even get vaccinated, but you got vaccinated because guys weren't willing to let you blow them unless you were vaccinated, right? Maybe she's gone. Did we lose her? (laughs) In the middle of a very deep interview here. Debbie? Debbie, that is weird. Am I still on the air? Anybody know? I am. What happened to Robin? Is she knocked off the air too? Robin's having problems, and Debbie, the cum lady's gone. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was in the bizarre Hello. world. Well, look who it is, John the Stutterer. Not stuttering, John. John the Stutterer. Boy, I haven't heard from you in ages. How are you? Hey. Hey, Howard. Uh, um, um, Good to speak to you. Man, this stuttering's killing me. Um, but, I know. But uh, first, uh, uh, okay, first allow me to preface by saying it, it is, um, of course, has been a very long time since I appeared. Uh, on the show, I think it was uh, 2012. Um, yeah. The reason, yeah, yeah. Um, the reason I called is, um, I forget. Why did you leave again? I don't even remember. Weren't you pissed off or something? You didn't want to be on the show anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 You just came. 
to the realization that being on the show was a lot more detrimental to my overall uh, to my overall emotional and mental health. Yeah, I remember. Uh, like you would get into those really bad fights with Ralph, and uh, you would. Well, well, then, no, it wasn't that though. It, oh. it was just no. It was simply that. It was simply that when I first okay, when I first when I first initially be, began appearing on the show. Uh, way back in the 1999, I I I I, I was under the very uh, I was under the very mistaken uh, a very mistaken impression that be, being on the show would uh, that that it would improve your life, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I don't mean to well, cut you off. Well, yeah. well the, that it would Make, specifically, Im, it, it, that it would specifically improve my life in right. terms of meeting women. Right. So, so I soon came to realize that while I really like you. And most of the rest of the uh, people involved in the show, I just again, I I just came to to the realization that it was a lot more uh, harmful for me than. than That's cool. I respect that. I mean, are you getting late at all? Because uh, I could, you know, if you were still with the show, I probably could get you a blowjob from Debbie the Come Lady, but. No, I wouldn't want that. No, you wouldn't want that. All right, actually, no, no, no. But but the reason I'm calling is I I first called Sal. I found his phone number, and and uh, Sal he couldn't help me, and then I called the this toll free number, and, and the reason I'm calling is. Is I received a phone call. Uh, okay, I received a phone call about twenty or so minutes ago now from some uh, uh, from some asshole claiming to be from the Stern Show, and I said, "Oh, who?" And and uh, he said his name was quote. The... Hey, uh, hey, hey uh, John the Stutterer. I just want to tell you something. I think I got what yeah. the hint. I got, you know, I know it's difficult for you to talk. So let me let me cut to the um, bottom line here. I yeah. think what you're saying is that you are getting phone calls at your house that are weird. They say they're from the Stern Show. You want to know if they're really from the Stern Show? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on. Out. I'll find out. Okay, Anybody thanks. here pranking uh, John the Stutterer or doing some sort of bit with John the Stutterer, or is he is or some asshole fucking with him outside of the show? In other words, is it one of our assholes or is it an outside asshole? I'll get you the answer. 
Okay, thanks, Howard. Um, yeah. Appreciate it. Howard, I'm just looking at a note that Sal put up. He said he never got a call from John. So if John thinks he spoke to Sal, hmm. yeah. I'm not sure who he spoke uh, to. Yeah, I, 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 I called Sal. Here's, here's his phone number right here. I just called him. It's a six. Oh, oh. Well, don't give it out on the air. No. Hey, Sal, are you calling John at all? Is anybody on the show? Just give me a heads up. Just, I have somebody... not spoken to John. Okay, so no one is calling John. It's someone. It's some fan or somebody who's fucking with them outside of our so. show. Okay. Yes. There's your answer, John. It's not us. Someone else is oh, calling you. Oh, 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 oh. So then, why did Sal just claim that he did not not receive a phone call from me when he did? Well, Sal, John, who gave you that phone? John, who gave you that phone number? Sal, Sal, I just called you a few minutes prior to me calling this number, and you said that you could not help me because you were very Sal, did you just have a conversation with yeah, John the Stutterer? He did. He did. He's bullshitting you, Howard. Sal. <laughs> Howard, so, I swear Sal, yes. my children, I did not receive a it call from Sal. John Stutterer. So, I'm John, it's somebody you. who sounds like Sal doing a Sal impression. He's saying he didn't call you or he didn't speak to you. You didn't call him. No, Howard, I called him. He's saying whatever number you called wasn't him. It's some guy pretending to no, be Sal. He, said it was, uh, he says it's Sal. Okay, Howard, the, Sal, is that the, you? You swear, swear, Sal, you swear on the life of your children. Sal, I just called. It was Sal. I will call his phone number again. All right, call it call now. Me, call, call me. Call me right now. Do you have another Here's phone? Here's my cell phone. Let's, let's hear it ring. Let's hear my cell phone ring. You got it turned on? Here we go. All right. Call, dial his cell phone. Yep. Uh, no, but I don't think the phone was his cell phone. Right, well, what, what I'm telling John, I got to move my show along. But what Howard, I'm telling is you is, a, a, it's good to hear. Is there, where, it's, is there a way that you can block me saying the phone number? Because this number is clearly uh, the phone number. I got it. Uh, I'll tell you what, John, I'm going to take you off the air. I'm going to put you on with Gary. And we'll get to the bottom yeah. of this. I don't want anybody fucking yeah. with you. Sal, yeah, yeah. Um. I, I, I called Sal and he spoke to me. Yes, he did. Sal, Absolutely you swear on the life of your children you did not speak to John the Stutterer. He May my did. house burn down right now if I spoke to John the Stutterer. It's I did not four, speak to you, John. It's 646. Six. No, no, no. Don't no, right, say right it. There, right there. Oh, wait, hold on. Stop hold right hold there. it. Hold Listen it. Up. Hold it. Right there at 646. It's not my number. There you go. Well, I will call the phone number again. Call it again. And then call it again. I'm Dial it now. You, it was Sal. He said. <laughs> but John, it's not John. I got it from Dial the, the number. Dial the number the, now, and we'll see if Sal's LinkedIn phone number. Right. And I. I got to. I got to get out of this. I mean, John, I want to help you. I, I believe Sal. Sal knows he can't lie to me. Maybe he could lie to you, but yeah. he can't lie to me. He's telling me he did I not speak with you. To Sal. I spoke to Sal. Yes, what did you talk? I asked him. I asked him if anyone there prank Sal. called me. He said no, and he said he was very bu busy and that he couldn't speak to me. 
So how do you okay, know that so it sounds? It, it sounds down, like somebody, no. John, John, it's not, John, listen to me from a prank caller who knows how prank calls work. This guy prank called you. And then when you got his number, he panicked no, and said, no, no, I can't no, help no. you because somebody's been prank no, calling. No. You. It's that when guy. The guy called me. The phone number was blocked. I got your phone number from the website. All right, listen, guys, guys. I got your phone Sal, number from three websites. Sal, if you're lying right now, I'm going to fire you, okay? Okay. I'm going to fire you if I find out you're lying. Sal swears, I believe Sal to be an honest man. Because, John. Howard, okay. But, John. I know I know the stuttering makes it. John, I know. But, John, can I put you on with Gary and you guys? The guy who called Howard. The guy who called me, it was a block number. That's what led me to try to find Stern Show phone numbers. And I used to have them, but I threw them away. And I found this number for Sal on three or four websites. This is clearly Sal's phone number. And when Sal then told me (laughs) that he didn't have the time to speak to me, he said he instructed me to call the toll-free number. Yes, it was Sal. All right. Well, I, I don't know how to solve this right now, John, and I'm running out of time. I I got Debbie the well, cum lady back on. to that asshole Sal, and he's fucking lying. Maybe Stop John calling is calling. Me, John. John, maybe is John lying. is calling the office number or something. Maybe that's what's but, going on. But the guy said it was Sal, and yeah, and but it he, he like could that. be lying. Uh, all right, listen. Sal I'm no Sherlock Holmes. John, he's lying to you. I'm going to give you a couple of things. Number one. Good to hear from you again. I'm glad you're okay. That's number one. Yeah, but I think about lying, you sometimes. Believe me. All right, hold I'm on. Not stupid, Howard. All right, I am stupid, so I'm. I don't even know what's going on right now. Okay, number two. I, I will try to explain. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't explain it again. I had I, no number. Can I put the you on with Gary? Can I put you on with Gary so we can unravel this mystery? Sure, How's yeah, that? Yeah. All right, let yeah. me do that. Good to talk to you, John. Hold uh, on. Okay, thanks, Howard. All right, there he is, John the Stutterer, blast from the past. He uh, was a frequent guest on the show. He says uh, for his own mental health, he had to leave the show, and uh, he's doing okay. And he thinks he's speaking to Sal, says he's not. um, No, I'm not. I'm horrible and horrible. It's terrible. I hate to hear it. But you always had rock star hair. I know that. uh, Oh, and three months ago, Howard, I also received a call from someone named Steve claiming to be from the show. And I don't know any one named Steve. We do have a Steve. Uh, Steve Brandano works. Steve, did you call John Three the months ago. Three months ago. Or or Steve Nowicki we have. Steve, did you, either Steve, have you called John the Stutterer? And it's okay if you did. Just let me know. Steve Nowicki. No calls. Steve. No calls. Okay. okay. Um, and the guy today who called, he claimed his name was the key, the key, the key. Right. and I don't know any Steves or Keiths, and right. there was right. clearly Let me put a you working on. environment. It sounded like a radio station. Well, let me. And there's a guy on the phone right now, Tom. This is John. You'll be fascinated. This is Tom the Stutterer. He spoke to. He says he spoke to Sal. Yes, Tom the Stutterer. Uh, uh, hi, I spoke to that. As Sal, he could. All right, all right. <laughs> Enough of this. That is legit, right. Howard. That one's legit. 
<laughs> I love Tom. Uh, uh, do me a favor. John sounds like he's upset. You guys yeah. get to the bottom of it with him, all right? To, to call the number. Give him a hand, all right? I will call him, Howard. I will call him. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Th- thanks, Al. Sorry about that. What's with Robin's connection? Anybody get her back? Or uh, I get, yeah, Robin, uh, I don't know what happened to her. Uh, all right. When you guys talk to me in the headphones, can the audience hear that? Now, uh, you from now on, just talk to me on the air. It sounds weird when I'm talking to somebody who's not there. It's okay. All right. Debbie the Con Lady's back. Jesus. That was some call. I do believe that Sal is telling the truth. Debbie, I don't know what's going on today. Something weird going on. I lost Robin's connection and I lost yours all of a sudden. I'm sorry. I thought it was my phone. Yeah, well, I'm glad I got you back. Yeah. All right. So just to wrap that conversation up, what I'm saying is if we do the celebrity dating game and you're the, you know, you're the celebrity, you're saying you'd be willing to let high pitch Eric, Jeff the vomit guy, and I don't know, maybe, um, you know, medicated pee play, something like that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And the winner and the winner gets to be with you. Yeah. I would love to pick two, but yeah, one would be good. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. They're willing to come down here. Absolutely. And have somebody video it. Yeah. Okay. High pitch. Debbie says she's up for it. So we'll do it. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Eric. Yeah, definitely. We're going to make a plan. Oh, I'm willing to do it. Believe me, I I love it. I'm willing to drive down there because I have a truck. I'll drive down there. But when I heard your call this morning, I was touching my my cock, and my cock is so hard right now. I want you to save a couple of loads. Don't jack off before you see me. You can't jack off for a couple of weeks before, so I have a nice load when I do see you. Okay, no, I can do that. Now, Very important. Now, how do I, now, where do I put my load? How do I save it? You could put it in a condom. How do you condom. save it? You put it in a condom and you put it in the freezer. Okay. Uh, you know what, Eric? Uh, I want to point out something to Debbie. Does it bother you that Eric has microphallus? Does that make a difference? No. What, no. What's, micro, what's microphallus? You got a um a, a very very small penis, like almost uh, the size of a baby. Yeah, not, the size of the cock not, doesn't matter. It's the loads that come out. I don't really to be, uh, like big cocks at all. Uh, you know, not right. big big cocks, nothing. That no, the size small cocks have given me great loads. There you go, Eric. That's a good sign. I think you're going to do great with this. Wow, I mean, looking forward I, to it. Listen, I, I could drive down there any time. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll make a plan. We'll definitely make a plan. Bring somebody that could videotape it and or record it or whatever you want to do. And we'll I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into a bummer or anything. But like JD was saying to me the other day, he thinks that high pitch Eric won't be able to get uh, an erection with Debbie. <laughs> he thinks I think that um, you know maybe he's into dudes. I don't know. Well, JD, what are you just- thinking? It's Don't either it's either dudes or he has a uh, uh, he just can't he has a performance issue where because he did a porn and he couldn't get hard during the porn and you know I oh, think no, at best. Oh, Go ahead. 
when they did those pornos, there was there was there was so many cameras. It was like performance issues. <laughs> oh, well, well, apparently I understand. They're, they're going to record I this too. I got to say something, JD. You know, it is true. I mean, a lot of guys cannot get an erection in front of a camera. I mean, it is intimidating. Yeah, so, and she's you know. talking about she's talking about recording it and stuff. So no, uh, no, this is not. This could be just audio, not not a camera. Ah, uh, that might be smart. <laughs> okay. that, yeah, that's a smart. I, you know, I still who knows. You know, Chris Wilding said to me, Eric, and I and I don't. You know, I don't mean to bum you out or anything. It's no shame, but uh, he feels you're a hundred percent gay. And that when it comes to servicing Debbie to come lady, there's going to be a big issue. Chris, you said that, right? I'm not putting words in your mouth. No, I mean, listen, Eric and I have been in the back of his truck, sort of like he he tackled me one time and yeah. rubbed my leg. And in studio, I, I mean, Eric, you came in. I had to find your cock. And then another time you came in, I was you, you made me touch your cock on the couch. And I, I'm sure you got a little hard. I, I could feel it move. So... What's going on there? Yeah, but with Debbie, come lady, my dick will be harder than what you had. <laughs> mm. well, See, I'll be curious. I don't know Howard, about that. Been, Howard, What's I that, have Debbie? been with bisexual guys, right. and I've made them come. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but he's not bisexual. You got, you got your work cut out for you, Debbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've been with a trainee, and I made I made the trainee come, so... You know, if, if, if you think there's going to be a problem, have Eric McDonald's or somebody else. So it's not a total waste of time. If, if I Eric think this is fabulous. I think this is fabulous. I'm all for Eric and Debbie hooking up if they want to. You know, it's a free yeah. country. And, uh, you know, will Eric be able to uh, deliver a load to Debbie? I don't know, but I would like to find out. Uh, Chris uh, Wilding and J.D. both believe. That uh, Debbie will not, it will be like getting water out of a rock. I would love, I would love Eric to prove me, us wrong. Uh, but I think at best, uh, pre-com might come out. I don't know if she'll get a full oh, load. There's no way, not even pre-com. <laughs> well. Okay, of course. How, how, how about when me and Debbie hook up, you, you, you come to Florida with me and, yeah. and, and, you, <laughs> and, and you record it for us. So you would yeah, have to be in the room while she milks you. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you record it for us. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Okay. Well, like if you're, you're so sure that he's gay, then uh, why don't you go and record it and stand there so Eric can look at you while Debbie... Uh, and it would help if you had your clothes off, too. I could prove you wrong, Chris. Right. Well, I would be proven wrong in that circumstance. You're right. Yes. Yep. Okay. Well, all right. So, you know, let's hope this all goes down and maybe there'll be a dating game. Who knows? And maybe we'll even get Michael Bolton to sing. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't believe Debbie got a trainee to come. I mean, that's fantastic. I I did. And yes, I did. A trainee. uh, Yes, yes, yes. He was a married trainee. His wife was a um, dominatrix. And I, he, and he even complimented me. He was a little obsessed. He wanted to co- constantly see me and it got way too much. Wow. But yeah, he, and he had a huge cock. And, um, by the way, me, but he gave me great loads. Maybe I'm wrong, sure. but isn't it, isn't the word tranny now like an N word? Isn't it like a word you don't say that insults oh. people? 
Yeah, that's what I heard. And no, she was saying, I didn't know she was. Well, she didn't say tranny. She said trainee. (laughs) Oh, a trainee. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) Oh, trainee. Oh, that's that's okay to say. I I guess that's okay. I don't know. Well, Debbie, uh, you're. Well, talk about a tranny. Was it Gonzo dating a tranny? Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, boy. I don't know anything about that. That's his business. I don't know Gonzo. I mean, I don't know him that well. Um, yeah, all right, so, hey, Eric, I, Yes. try to stay on topic here. Debbie says she wants okay. you. She doesn't care that your penis is small and that uh, she says you get down to Florida, she'll have a date with you and uh, get the job done, okay? I'll get the job done, too. Save your lives, right. Chris and, I'll prove Chris and J.D. wrong. Good for Please. you. All right, there you Please. go. Yeah, please do. Thank you. And, I Debbie, will. thank you. All right. Thank you, Howard. Debbie. I really appreciate it. All right, Thank you, Howard. Thank you. Always glad to help you guys out. Very nice. <laughs> That's something, huh, Robin? I, I can't believe that uh, this is being so uh, difficult to pull off. Yeah, so to speak. If Eric is so anxious, why is it taking months for him to get down there? Let me, uh, before, uh, I speak to Emily Ratajkowski, let me, uh, let me, uh, just clear up a few things when the fans r- wrote in about Benji at the marathon. A lot of people were upset. Some people thought he was a disgrace and other people thought he was a disaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Benji two took, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Benji took almost eight and a half hours to run, walk the course and officially did not finish. Benji is a shithead. Benji Bron can't wiggle his way out of this one. Roast that motherfucker over your comedy calls and dropkick that loser to the hole you found him in. Jesus. What I do you was think uh, of that? listening to a story about a guy who ran the marathon yesterday and he collapsed mm. uh, about 600 feet from the finish line. Oh, and some nice. other runners went back and lifted him up and helped him across the finish line. And he beat Benji's time. <laughs> oh, get out of here. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, no, this guy. <laughs> He ran wow. in three hours, 39 minutes, and six seconds. <laughs> well, I told you yesterday there was a dude uh, 69 years old or something who has Parkinson's beat Benji. Benji only beat 83 people in total <laughs> and two people in his age group. Um, wow. Howard, a normal person a normal person walks four miles an hour, which is one mile every 15 minutes. Any normal person can walk a marathon in less than seven hours. It took fat-ass Benji almost nine. Disgrace. Uh, then it was like, what a lazy fuck. Benji can't even walk right. Literally everything he does is a disaster. <laughs> uh, I happen to fall in the other camp with some of the people who are praising Benji. I, you know, look, anybody who can walk 26 miles, and I don't care how long it takes you, you know, 26 miles without, you know, taking a break, I, I say God bless. I do. You know, and, and, and people wrote in, it might have taken a ridiculous amount of time for Benji to finish, but I still give him major props for following through. And completing a marathon. Congrats to Benji. Don't listen to any of the negative comments from the trolls. You have, in fact, completed the New York City Marathon. Um, he definitely did that, yeah. Yes, he did. And, and you know, so one person wrote him, Benji looks like he hasn't aged at all. I saw pictures of him on Twitter from the marathon. The dude might be in his mid-50s, but he looks 25. And he's still <laughs> in his athletic prime. Um <laughs> We also learned that Benji was scared of going hungry during the marathon, so he stuffed his pockets with Cliff Bars. That's uh, Howard, crazy. Benji. It is. Benji could take all those Cliff Bars and stuff them in his pockets. 
but he couldn't wear a lav mic for the show. Mm. Howard Benji ruins the show. Stop putting him on the show. In fact, fire his lazy ass. He does all this on purpose. He won't even carry the microphone, but he has towels, sweatshirts, cliff bars in his pockets. The guy's a fucking moron. Anyway, um, by the way, a lot of women wrote me, too. We were talking about Pete Davidson, and you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Pete Davidson has to get all these hot chicks, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of women wrote. Um, as a single woman, I look at Pete and think he's attractive. He's funny, he's interesting, witty, intelligent, and emotionally deep. Lucky Kim Kardashian. So the ladies like him. I mean, you know, thank God. I say, Look, I know how I look. I see him as a hero to guys like me. If he could be, you know, with that many fantastic-looking... If he could get Ariana Grande, there's hope for everybody. Howard, I'm so happy for Pete Davidson. Some girls, just like a funny guy. Pete Davidson has the same appeal as Howard. It's his sense of humor and wittiness. I think that's... And wit. That women are attracted to. So there you go. Ariana Grande. I did also find some tape of, uh, in fact, Ralph, I got proof that Ralph dated Terry Farrell. We were talking about guys on our show don't have much luck with uh, hot women. But Ralph did did indeed date the actress Terry Farrell from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Because I found the tape. Here's the clip to make everybody crazy. What's the most important? Long one. Here it is. The other day, Terry had an audition set up. Yeah. For some big show or something. Uh Uh-huh. She missed her audition because she was out with Ralph all night, and they were back at her place. Are you kidding? No. (laughs) And I think they were doing stuff. Stop it. No, that's going too far. Yeah, they did stuff. Well, yeah. What do you mean, Terry? We we hung out. Yeah, and what'd you do? Did you make out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, You made out with Ralph. Yeah. Oh, already too much. We're not going to be able to live with him now. What are you psycho? No, it was great. Are you going to have sex with Ralph? I got to know. I don't know. I've made up my mind yet. Uh, that's a yes. <laughs> anyway, Terry's now happily married. She actually married uh, Leonard Nimoy's son, Adam Nimoy. Well, there you go. And uh, there were a couple of guys on the show who sounded very jealous when Ralph was dating her. Very beautiful woman. All right, anyway, so uh, let me take a break. We're going to talk to Emily Ratajkowski. I read her book. It's pretty fucking awesome, actually. Some heavy stuff going on there. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I will give it a big recommendation. Uh, I'm not a huge book reader, but this one had me fascinated. Um, You you know Emily from the um, Robin Thicke video, Blurred Lines. That's all. Let me tell you something. I'll, I'll tell you this. The reason I got turned on to that song was because of her. Everyone was like, hey, you got to check out this video. So anyway, she wrote a whole book about her life and beauty and a bunch of fucking assholes who tried to bring her down. It's a pretty amazing story. Book is called My Body. Well, I'll talk to her next right after these words. Emily Ratajkowski is here. I first got turned on to Emily Ratajkowski, like like most of everyone else. Hi, hi, Emily. Nice to meet you. Hey, Howard. How are hey, you? how's it going? I see you everywhere. I mean, you're promoting the book. You're doing a good job. You're out there on all the shows. I mean, is it exhausting? 
Um, you know, it's kind of gratifying to be honest, but, um, it is a little exhausting, but I had some wine last night and coffee this morning. I'm feeling pretty good. What are you doing? You staying in a hotel in New York? No, I live here. Oh, you live in New York. I thought you were LA. Well, you were, you, you were raised in, uh, LA, right? Out in California. In, um, in San Diego in California. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great part of the country, San Diego. It really is. Often overlooked. It is. It's. Yeah, it is. It's so beautiful. It's it's crazy. Um, I grew up in a, a little beach town in San Diego. I was watching you on The View, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is weird probably to say, but I was wondering what you were going to wear. Because you are such a beauty, and uh, you look great. I mean, we know that. Uh, but But it's weird. Like, when you have to decide to be on The View, mm-hmm. and you know those yentas are going to look you over, and does it, you know, and this is the weird thing. Forget men looking at you. When women look at you, you know they're making judgments. And if you're out mm-hmm. there promoting a serious book, if you walked in there with like a, an outfit that you just thought was so fucking great, mm-hmm. but it was a little too glamorous and made you look a little too hot, quote unquote, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be on your side. You've experienced that, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I write about it in the book. I feel like. I don't know. I mean, I feel like every woman experiences that every day when she gets dressed. Um, yep. And especially actually in New York City, it's heightened because you're immediately kind of in the public the second you step out your door. Whereas in L.A., you know, you get in your car, you don't you're going to go somewhere specific here. You're you're really, you know, the public is is looking at you. Um, and I feel like it's always kind of a negotiation. And um, when I was younger, I really wasn't aware of that as much. Um, and I think I was a little bit um, bullish and felt, you know, like, Hey, I want to wear this dress. Who cares what people think? That's their problem. But I think it actually did hurt me at certain moments. And there were, there are times I even write about it in the book where, um, or maybe I took out this specific line, but my publicist kind of warned me and said, you know, she's got it. You got to stop dressing this way. If you want to be taken seriously as an actress, you can't wear low cut, you know, dresses to events, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, I think about even when you were going to school mm. and, you know, and you started getting attention like you were 12 years old for your looks and your mom. And I'm going to get into all that because I really have so many questions. I thought the book was fabulous, by the way. I, I th- it brought you. up. I, I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, man, you got me thinking about everything. And oh, I can't. That's all I wanted. <laughs> yeah, you really got me thinking. And I, I was shocked. I went down. I said to my wife, you got to read this book. Because she brings up a lot of the things. My wife was in the modeling industry, and she mm-hmm. really encountered some really fucked up things. I said, it's yeah. almost like you could have written this book. And mm. uh, I thought, I think it's an important book. I actually do. And and that's yeah. just the thing. You know, a lot of people look at you and go, oh, she can't write a book. You know, she couldn't write an important book. Well, yeah, fuck yeah, you could. I mean, you, <laughs> you had a lot of weird experiences. But I was even thinking, even as a young girl, when you were going to high school, and if you wore a provocative outfit, did you get unbelievable attention from male teachers? Were they ever inappropriate with you? So, I mean, I think my experience, you know, as early as 12 at, um, at you know, 12, 14, like in that kind of range where I didn't even really totally know what sex was, but I had this woman's body. It was a really... Um, odd experience to kind of like wear a tight shirt or something because 
you'd make people feel really uncomfortable because I, I was a child. Um, and so, you know, I knew that the boys at school would think I was hot and that, you know, guaranteed some kind of status and even made you some, some female friends, which was important. Um, but then at the same time, yeah, you, I would often feel, you know, like really ashamed and kind of embarrassed and, um, like something was wrong with me. I didn't have any, you know, male teachers. I had a, a vice principal one time, um, snap my bra strap because, you know, there was a dress code at my, my middle school and she just like snapped it and said like, this shouldn't be out. And it was in front of a male teacher who I really liked. And I remember feeling like so horrified, not, not that she had done anything wrong, more that like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed that the fact that I'm wearing this bra was pointed out in front of this male teacher. I really like, you know, Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so weird. And don't, don't you think that this, this principle or whatever she was, was jealous of your body in a, in a sense you had to <sighs> somehow humiliate you? I don't know if it was jealousy. I think it was, um, it could have honestly been, I know this sounds weird, but it could have been her wanting to protect me in a really oh, twisted maybe. way. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, women know what can happen <laughs> and the you know the kind of attention that you can get and maybe in some way she thought she was protecting me obviously it didn't feel like that and i i have come a long way to even be able to kind of offer her that but i mean i've i do think that could have been part of it you know it's weird i actually have to thank you for something and this is such a weird story i read the daily mail all the time and you're in the daily mail all the time and I love to read the comments underneath. Now, if there's an article about me, I won't read the comments underneath because I can't handle it. It's too brutal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't deal with it, you know. But your whenever you are in the Daily Mail, which is almost every single day, and if you're in a bikini or something looking fabulous, and I mean fabulous, I say to myself, this is one of the best-looking women I've ever seen. I say, i got to read. The this is how you help me. I got to read these comments because if they say she's ugly, I know they're all out of their fucking mind because there's no way someone would look at you and think you were ugly. Mm. Sure enough, I go down there. Emily Ratajkowski. Oh, she's gross. Oh, she has mm -hmm. no ass. She has a, a big deal. Who we've seen it already. It's not that great. She's too skinny. Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. uh, her belly button is too big. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I read it and I said, thank God. I'm liberated now. If these mm -hmm. assholes think that she, her body is not good, then nobody's body is good. Then they're out of there. They're just saying it to be. It's you know funny. What I mean? I've and, done that before, too. I've read, you know, women that I think are super, super beautiful and read their comments on Daily Mail just to kind of to do the same thing that you did. Yeah. Because yeah. then you go, oh, OK, they do that to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. Daily Mail's. um strange i have the app i'm embarrassed to admit um but i also me too. you know i'm curious to know what what pictures are going up of me and i've learned though to to not read the comments it's just it's not even worth it um there's nothing there's no insight i can gain there's nothing nothing good can come from it from for me on instagram do you read the com comments um in other words on your instagram do mm -hmm. you kind of and i know you're hung up on this because i would be too let's face it a lot of your businesses how many people are following me on instagram have you ever done the metrics and figured out is it mostly dudes or is it like 50 50 split between women and men who's really looking at your instagram 
It's 60-40, men 60%. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, you know, honestly, it used to be, it used to be something like 70-30. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's kind of bumped up. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's interesting, men kind of from all ages, but women tend to be a little bit younger. My so- following. I got I got to know you obviously through blurred lines and 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 mm-hmm. so I was really anxious in the book when you write about you know about that specific instance with that video mm-hmm. and I was always growing up a fan of rock videos mm-hmm. MTV was the shit you know yeah. it was so cool and MTV you would ninety nine percent of the videos back in the heyday of MTV were hot chicks like ZZ Top. They, you know, I watched all their videos, but it was the hot chicks running Tawny Katane, who was uh, in White Snake videos. There were certain women who really could drive up the the the, the numbers of people who watched. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I read that you said, "Hey, as great as Blurred Lines is, you know, for me in terms of getting me out in front of the public and making me worldwide famous, mm-hmm. you can't listen to the song anymore." That it. It, you, yeah. you described it like PTSD. Is it? Is it because <laughs> I'm not sure if it's PTSD. Um, it's more, you know, it's like I, <laughs> you know, how um, one hit wonders, or I don't know, like Van Morrison doesn't want to play Brown Eyed Girl, or I assume that he probably doesn't want to play Brown Eyed Girl. Um, it's like that, except I didn't write the song, <laughs> so I have no. I just showed up to work one day, and then you know, there's a song that I'm sort of always associated with. Although it has changed, it used to be, you know, I'd be in a bar and it'd come on, and I could just feel everyone turn to me, and I would like duck, and you know, it was like almost like they expected me to like start doing a dance. <laughs> um, that was maybe that has really subsided in the past five years, but for the first couple years, that was definitely true, and so. Actually, funnily enough, I would hear the Marvin Gaye song and sometimes think that it was Blurred Lines and like bolt to the bathroom um, before it could wow. come on. And then I'd be like, oh, OK, it's actually not the Blurred Lines song. So it's weird because you want attention. And then yet when the song came on, you feel like crawling into a hole and it's impossible to describe to some, like like to the average guy says, so why are you so ashamed? But the thing is, mm-hmm. it's so much intense um scrutiny when that song comes on people mm-hmm. are looking at you to see what you're going to do when that song comes on and it's got to yeah. be weird yeah do you, when, it's the, just the awkward day, honestly it feels awkward <laughs> the day you went on the set speaking of marvin mm-hmm. gay and they played the track for you i don't know if you heard it in advance or you just walked on the set and never even I heard didn't. the song before I when you walked on when they start playing it for you and they say dance to me I, I, this is all mind-blowing stuff did you say to yourself you know this sounds like Marvin Gaye. It's or, or or was that not was that not in your awareness? I honestly just don't remember. Um, I don't remember. I'm sure I probably thought, oh, this sounds a little familiar. I don't know. Um, definitely later, I because of that experience of you know wanting to recognize the song um, and kind of hide before it before it kicked in. Um, I got really familiar with the kind of how similar the beginning of the song was, but I don't remember if the day of I had that thought or not. You know, I want to reframe this for you, if I may, and I don't know if you'll buy into it, but I think the song was a good song, but it wasn't really that big a hit Mm -hmm. until you were in that video. The way I got turned on to that song, and the song had been out for a while, some Mm -hmm. dude called me up and said, you got to check out this chick in the video. Mm -hmm. She is so fucking hot. 
And I mean, for real, that in a way, I, I think you can take some ownership of that, that you really drove that thing. You really did. Not yeah, the two listen, other girls. I'll take it from you. I'm not talking. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that. But um, I'll I'll accept it if you say it. The other two women, and you mm-hmm. say in the book, "Hey, I got a lot of comfort that day on the set because I was naked." And and I think the reason America and everywhere around the world went so crazy for this, it wasn't like to me. It was almost the ultimate rock video. Every mm-hmm. rock video I'd seen up until that point always hinted at nudity and sexuality, but they never really showed it. You walked in there under a bright light. The lighting Mm -hmm. on that set that day was so fucking hot and bright. Mm -hmm. And you stood there and said, hey, I'm going to dance. I'm Mm -hmm. nude and I have nothing to be ashamed of. I had never seen a video like that. I had never seen a video that bold. Yeah, it's funny because um, I grew up kind of more with like... um, rap videos like i'm thinking of um snoop dogg and pharrell's song beautiful and i remember watching that when i was 13 and thinking these are the most beautiful women in the world like how cool that they were in this i think the videos in um rio or in brazil and thinking oh my god like the most beautiful women come from brazil and how amazing um but when when i got the offer for this video i sort of um i just i i wasn't you know i was worried that it was going to be I don't know, just cheesy, really cheesy. Um, But what I think, you know, makes the video work isn't just that there's sort of this like shameless whatever. It's that um, I'm being kind of stupid in it. I'm being kind of silly. I'm not dancing like super sexually. Obviously, I'm naked. um, So it's sexual kind of, you know, in that way. But there's a silliness to it. And I think that that's what actually makes the video um, interesting and not just another cheesy, cheesy, you know, rap video or a rock video well the other mind-blowing thing about that video was if you remember in the 90s everyone had like had gone anti we're not putting a hot woman in our video nirvana came out um you know soundgarden all these cool indie bands came out and they blew everyone's mind by the fact that they didn't put any of that in it was just the band or it was kids but it wasn't Mm -hmm. the quote-unquote hot woman all of a sudden, yeah. when this video came out, it was like, not only are we putting hot women in it, but we're, we're, we're intentionally just throwing it in your face. It was mm-hmm. sort of mind-blowing. It really, really was mind-blowing. And, and I understand your confusion, too. You were probably like, you know, Jesus, what is this set? And we're running around naked. And what the other weird thing is, and I don't know how much analysis you've done of this, the other two women, beautiful women, in the video, there was a, a black woman and a blonde-haired mm-hmm. woman, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. But it's you. You're the only one everyone saw. And that had to blow your mind, too. Yeah, that they, I don't even know their mind. names. Do you know yeah, their names, Elle, those women? Elle and Jesse. Elle and Jesse. Um, um, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was weird. It was I, weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've only, I haven't, I think I saw Elle once at a party in L.A., um, but I, I haven't seen Jesse again. So it's that it factor. And, and what I love in your book, you say, when I was a little girl, I would pray that I would be beautiful. Mm. That, this is, sounds crazy, but I would pray that maybe some weird accident would happen where no one else would have a voice and I'd be the only guy left on the planet with a radio voice. Oh my God. And I, wow. and I always thought that was so strange 
But like you laying in bed as a kid, it's like you pray for a superpower and beauty Mm -hmm. is a superpower. I don't care what anyone says. Some of us are blessed with it and some of us are not. Mm -hmm. And beauty really is a superpower and it leads people to be jealous of beauty. And that's what I think is the essence of some of your book. And I think it's something really worth contemplating. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's in- it was interesting to me to think about, you know, I was really young. I, I want to say even before I was 10, like a, a little girl. And um, that seemed to me like to be the best superpower you could wish for. Um, yep. You know, not being super funny, not being super smart, you know, not even like safety or i don't know you know i paid i prayed for beauty yeah yeah and you got into this thing and i hate to say it i got the same thing this magical thinking it Mm -hmm. has plagued me my whole life oh i'm glad Um, to hear that (laughs) oh it's a nightmare i work up with a psychiatrist all the time i literally to this day in order to have some kind of good fortune or to be the greatest radio personality or whatever i would tap on cups I would, mm-hmm. I would do rituals repeatedly in order to ensure my safety in the world and my place in the world. Yeah. And I knew it was, thing. yeah, you write about it. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. I get it. Like you would say, I've got to be the most beautiful mirror, mirror mm-hmm. on the wall. Who's the greatest of them all? Yeah. Yeah. Where does that come from? I mean, I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to figure out in the book. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, I think one thing I definitely know is that as a little girl, it seemed to me the most powerful women were the most beautiful. Um, they were like, you know, rock stars and presidents and all kinds of different types of powerful men. But for me, it was like throughout time, you could watch a movie, you know, and when Marilyn Monroe came on stage or on camera, it was like, oh, wow, she just, she wins. Um, You know, she's the most powerful. And Britney Spears, obviously, Um, I grew up in the early aughts and she, it just seemed like though, you know, specifically sexy women were the most powerful. Um, And I wanted that. Um, And then I would also say, um, you know, my mom is super, super beautiful woman. And her family had a really specific attitude towards the way she looked, which was, you know, you haven't done anything to earn your beauty. You can't even say thank you when someone compliments you on it. And I think there was a lot of shame for her around it. Um, and also, you know, also feeling special and feeling like it was this this thing that made her really special and, you know, granted her a lot of things in her life. Um, I think, you know, she would kind of say, I want that guy and she would get him. Um, but... When I was, you know, kind of coming into to my figure and to puberty, she really didn't want me to feel that shame. Um, and also, uh, as I started, well, as modeling became an opportunity, my parents, you know, my dad was a high school teacher. My mom was an English professor. They knew that college was expensive, life was expensive. And the idea of their child being able to have a nice, you know, savings fund to go into the world with sounded really good. So um, they were kind of like, this is an opportunity we should allow her to have um, to make some money and maybe pay for whatever she really wants to do with her life. Um, So that's, yeah. I ended up, maybe this wasn't your intention, but I ended up hating your mother from this. Oh no. 
Oh, no. I did. Oh, God. Uh, I know your mother's still alive. Did your mm-hmm. mother have a negative reaction? to? I'll tell you why I had a negative reaction. Yeah. Because, you know, first of all, going back to your mother's father, mm-hmm. it's re- this is where you blew my mind. Your mother's father's attitude toward beauty is, don't tell me about beauty. Don't tell me about that you're a beautiful woman. Because you didn't do anything to earn it. Now, yeah. that is just a shitty thing to say. To anybody, because who earns anything? In other words, a great singer, yes, they work at it, but it's a gift. Einstein's brain was a gift. Mm-hmm. Beauty is a gift. And to say to you that, oh, it's a shitty thing, or say to your mother who's beautiful, hey, mm-hmm. don't go bragging about, you know, don't talk about your beauty. It's to say, let's deny your gift. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's funny. I've never thought about it that way, and I, I don't think she has, you know, at least put it in those words, in those terms. Well, I got sad when, I don't know if you get sad, but I got sad when I read about your mother. Your mother appears to me, anyway, that she was jealous. She hmm. couldn't deal. She'd say to she'd rob you of your beauty. She'd say to you, the only reason you're beautiful, you got it from me. But she didn't say that explicitly. Um, I think in Kinda. some ways, I mean, I think she felt um, like it was a source of pride and the fact that she had a beautiful daughter reflected on her beauty um, and that it was kind of something to be proud of and that, you know, she had never had the opportunity to embrace it in the way that she maybe wanted to. Um, because of her family and, you know, really felt like, like, go for it. You know, let my daughter have this moment and, and maybe it'll be fun for me too. Um, but didn't you feel like she was taking ownership of your beauty by saying it's because of me? I, I, I definitely think that there was a way that it fed, you know, her ego, but like, of course all parents, you know, you have a, I mean, I think about it. I have an eight month old son and I look at him and he's he's beautiful, um, and it's really funny because my husband and I are like, we got to come up with other words. <laughs> we got to call. I mean, we can call him beautiful, but we got to come up with other words. We're like, you're so perceptive. Um, you're so, you know. Um, but, but you're happy uh, for your son's beauty. You're I celebrating it. Yeah. I yeah, don't know that your mother him. was because your mother uh, would put yeah. your mother would your mother would put down. Just bear with me because maybe I'm hum- overly hung up on this. And I've seen women do this with their daughters. Oh, I don't get how J-Lo is good looking, they'd say to you. Mm-hmm. Or I don't, uh, and this is from the book, you, you know, she'd say to you, um, oh, I don't get that person's looks. I don't get that. I don't understand why they're, you know, in a way, it's it's putting so much pressure on you. You better look good because beauty is way important to me. And that's a heavy trick yeah. to put on a young girl. Yeah, I don't think she meant to do that, though. I really think that, you know, women have because, like you said, beauty can be a superpower. It can be a woman, a a woman's way of being powerful, being attractive, kind of knowing, you know, assessing yourself and other women as a way of protecting yourself and maybe having better, you know, more access to that superpower. So I think that a lot of the times moms almost as a as a gift or as a way of like teaching your daughter about the world kind of 
you know, start to start to in little ways, very subtle, um, share their perspective on beauty. I had a, an ex, I, I think of this story sometimes and I didn't put it in the book, but, um, an ex-boyfriend's mom, she was really like a philosophy professor. She, she was very like hip, like, you know, left leaning, like kind of bohemian lady. And, um, she only had a son and we were at lunch one time and she said something about if I had had a daughter, you know, I'd really, I'd had made, I would have made sure that she, you know, stayed thin and like, that's, that's important. And I kind of spit up my food because I was like, what? <laughs> that's, you know, like with everything we know about eating disorders, like you, what? And I realized that in her mind, that would have been a way of protecting her daughter, of loving her daughter, because in her mind, a thin woman is going to have a better life. Um, I guess, and I think, that I guess. yeah, I mean, I think that's just what her reality was. And that would have been her way of loving her daughter. Um, and I think some of the ways that my mom sort of was teaching me about beauty and how to assess myself and assess other women, she felt like was a way of, um, helping me succeed even. I guess, but I mean, in a way she made you crazy because you would lay in bed <laughs> saying, I've got to be the hottest girl. I've got to be the hottest girl. I knew for me, I had to be the greatest radio person. If my father was ever going to notice me, that was mm -hmm. my way of being a hot girl. I had mm -hmm. to figure out a way to do something superhuman. That's who my father worshipped. That's so funny Famous because people. now, yeah, other um, people have said to me, oh, if you just replace the word beauty with smart or, you know, athletic, that's how I felt about my parents and how, you know, they loved me. Um, and it's been interesting to realize that so much of who we become is kind of just sometimes just to win the the affections of our parents and to be the person that we think they want us to be. It's crazy. I heard you say in an interview, I don't know if it was just recently, but you said, you know, uh, you, you realized after the blurred lines video came out that at some point, uh, Robin thick, uh, he unfriended you on one of these apps or he stopped following he you. Me. Yeah. He, he blocked, blocked you. Me. Yeah. And I heard your theory about it. You said, uh, Maybe he was uncomfortable because, as you point out, he groped you. He he he, mm. he grabbed your breast inappropriately during the uh, the filming of this thing. I don't think that's it. I don't think he even thinks he did something inappropriate. I think he what, blocked what's you. What's your theory? I'll tell you exactly my theory, and I've spent some time thinking about this once you said it. I think he blocked you because you now are more famous than him from his song, and that you actually got more attention from that song in the long run than he did in fact mm. you could say that video with its 17 billion views is all due to you and he can't fucking stand it it's a challenge to him and it makes him upset yeah. and angry what do you think of that i think that could be right um yep. you know i um I, it's it's the actually him blocking me is the thing that made me re remember that moment on set because I was kind of trying to think like what have I said in the press that would piss him off what you know like why would he have blocked me um and uh I wonder if he even realizes he blocked me honestly it, it was a long time ago I've been blocked for years and years um but um it's possible oh he knows he blocked you he knows he blocked you. You know when you block someone. I mean, someone. he does. He definitely does now. Um, but um, yeah, so think no, about I think, it. No, I mean, one you... of the things that I felt on set, one of the kind of, and I write about it in the book, is 
you know, we were having a really good time. I had a great time on that set in general. And I think that's a part of this experience that kind of people have a hard time wrapping their head around is that I both had a great time and also this moment happened, you know, where I felt humiliated and blah, blah, blah. But it was actually, I think, kind of the, what I remember, and again, this is, I don't go too far into the, in the book because I don't want to, um, you know, put my thoughts onto someone else. I don't know what he was thinking, but I remember that all the women, everybody, we'd been alone, just kind of like shooting our project. It's what it felt like. And he came on to set and, um, he felt, I felt like he was annoyed that he wasn't getting more attention. This was kind of his big moment. You know, yep. Pharrell, T.I. were in this video, but it was his song. And I remember him kind of feeling, I don't know, like a little bit like, hey, what about me? And yep. um, that's when that moment happened. Absolutely. It's where it, it wasn't sexual. It was like, hey, you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll not teach sexual. you a fucking lesson right now. I'm in control. It's all kind of this like, is- ha ha, ha ha, gotcha. Like almost like, um, yeah, yeah, that was the feeling behind it. Were you feeling any kind of, um, you know, hey, here comes the big star of the video. Were you feeling up until that time? Were you feeling like, hey, this is a guy I could even potentially be interested in? Uh, maybe no, you weren't feeling any of that. Uh, so I've always been really weird. And I write about this in the book, like powerful men. I've never really like. I've never been into, and you know, I have, I know women who, you know, they, a powerful guy, famous guys around, they're like, this is a potential partner. And why wouldn't they think that for some reason I always get really turned off <laughs> yeah, by that. I, get um, I think I have a strange relationship with it. And I say it in the book, like I've always wanted this kind of moment where a powerful man's paying attention to me. I both feel like aggressive almost and kind of yeah. like want to puff out my chest and whatever and kind of t- give them a piece of my mind. And then the other part of me wants their attention, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's a strange thing, but I, I really, you know, famous men who've pursued me. I'm always like, Oh God. I mean, I also have to say actors, <laughs> you know, probably a lot of them, they're very specific type of type of dude. And there's some great actors and friends with them, whatever. Um, but I don't know something about it <laughs> just doesn't work for me. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very hard to be involved with anyone who acts because when their careers are are shitty, they take it out on you. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot tied up in their own egos with how good you look. You've got to look good for them so that when they present themselves publicly, there's a lot of pressure there. And, and maybe it's yeah. not unlike the pressure your mother put on you. Got to be beautiful. Got to be beautiful. You know, that's yeah, it. Yeah, and I think it's also about kind of... I don't want to feel like a prize in any way, you know. I want to just have a nice relationship where it feels did, equal and yeah. Right. Did Robin Thick ever mm-hmm. contact you after the video broke? Did he ever send you a gift? Did he ever call you up and say thank you? My god, you're creating such a sensation. There was absolutely zero acknowledgement or contact. And I find that strange. Yeah, no, we've never spoken. One time I saw him at a party and he came. This was actually only three or four years ago, uh, maybe actually less, like three years ago. And he kind of um, came up and said hi. Um, And I, at that point, had already started writing and was sort of like, oh, God, I don't really want to see this person. Um, That's the only time I've seen him or had contact. And I was also like, hey, man, you blocked me on Instagram. Like, you don't have to pretend like we're, you know, friends. Yeah. In a way, it, I don't want to say it was cursed for him, that whole song, but 
the marriage his marriage broke up yeah uh, after this thing blew up this the song never was able to write another hit song that i know of i don't know maybe there mm-hmm. was I, I don't know but it's like the guy fell off the face of the earth you know yeah yeah weird you know i don't know him so i just i i don't have that much of a even an opinion honestly um i i interacted with him on uh, one day on set and that's kind of what i know i do i do know his um his current partner um and i write about it in the book she and i were modeling doing kind of like shitty e-commerce jobs together for um like forever 21 and websites like that when she was really i think she's a little bit younger than me and so she was like a teenager and i was maybe maybe 20 or something around the same time um and she was always lovely and you know when i wrote about this i thought about her and kind of you know they have kids together and i i just really it was really hard for me to kind of put this in the book because i knew it was going to be this juicy tidbit that just everyone grabbed onto and it would become kind of i'm sure there's people in the world who just think that this book is that you know and that um, right. that was really hard for me to kind of accept that if i if i included this the story that it was going to be it was going to kind of overshadow a lot of the other things that i want to talk about but i also feel like it's kind of the the ultimate example of you know the theme of the book which is you know my evolution and my politics and my beliefs and i always said i you know i felt great on that that video i even said i was empowered and um it's just more complicated than that there are power dynamics on that set that you know um that i had not wanted to face for for most of my 20s Emily, were there things you left out of the book? Like, did you have, I'm sure, being, um, just reading some of the stuff that we'll get into, were there things that you said, hey, man, this is so fucked up, this is a guy who was famous, or maybe even not even famous, but there was something Mm -hmm. so bad that happened to me that I I don't even know that I can face it or confront it or write it. Um, You know, you write about the rape of, uh, it made me so sad this uh i was picturing you as this uh, 15 year old girl who has this boyfriend who's who raped her you know um mm-hmm. you, you know you, you you had sex with him the first time and you were you were kind of exhausted mm-hmm. you had sex with him you tell your mother she's disappointed in you rather than giving you a hug broke my heart mm-hmm. and then you know some months later this guy's been stalking you he's you know this is what you have to contend with. This guy's being mm-hmm. an asshole. Nobody's taking him seriously. And somehow you mm-hmm. end up drunk one night in his car and he just fucks you. And mm-hmm. and you wake up and he's he's raping you. It's outrageously horrible. And I and I'm so sorry that happened to you. Thanks. Were there were there things in your life that that you just said I should write about it, but for some reason I'm protecting these people. I, I don't even know why. I think I definitely didn't write about um, famous people. I mean, everybody's names have been changed in the book and everything, but um, right. other than the Robin Thicke kind of experience, which, you know, felt like, well, everybody's going to know what I'm talking about if I talk about a music video, you know, like it's specific. There's no hiding that name, whatever. Right. But um, there were other, there are other experiences that I decided to, just not write about because I didn't want it to be this like juicy scandalous celebrity memoir because that's not what I set out to write. Right. You know, I've always wanted to be somebody who makes things. I've always wanted, I've always loved writing. Um, 
And it just felt like, okay, I'm going to do this one essay for this reason, but if I include this other stuff, it's just going to get sensationalized. People are going to be on Reddit forums figuring out who people are, um, and I don't want to do that. Um, But no, honestly, I mean, (sighs) there are things that are personal that I, I did not go into or I just didn't feel ready to talk about. But I mean, that that relationship specifically, I don't there wasn't something that I had more shame around. I mean, there's just not there isn't Um, even hearing you talk about it now. I'm like, oh, because, um, you know, people talk about first loves and, you know, this kind of like romantic, even just um, at the time when I was 14, 15, I thought like, I'm going to have my first boyfriend. This is going to be this like what you see in movies, what people talk about, this kind of like romantic, amazing thing. And it was fucked up. <laughs> it was fucked yeah. up. Yeah. You um, call him Owen was, in the book. That guy, yeah. Owen, uh, you know, the uh, made up name, obviously. But I yeah. think he felt comfortable writing about him, too, because he's now dead. He uh, he died yeah. of an overdose. Um, yeah. So in a way, you know, you're not uh, you're not doing it. But why do you think and there's probably a million reasons why. Why do you think you never said anything to anyone? Why do you? Why, why did you have to keep quiet about that rape? Did you not want Owen to go to jail? Did you not? What, what was holding you back? I mean, I was a kid and so I hadn't even really, you know, my idea of rape was like somebody, a stranger grabs you and pulls you down an alleyway and that's rape. Um, so in a lot of ways, I just didn't even think about consensual or non-consensual sex. Like that's not how I framed my experiences. Um, I knew that it was somebody that I had had consensual sex with before. So yes, you know, I woke up and I was, I had not consented. I was basically unconscious. Um, and I was 15, but I just, I didn't, I think it was partly just not even wanting, not even realizing that it it was rape and then also not wanting to make a big deal out of it. Um, you know, I just wanted to go away. I felt ashamed of the fact that I'd even had sex. So then the idea of, you know, police, like having to share with people, just people, my parents, especially that this thing had happened, you know, it felt like it felt like it was going to be worse for me than like, what was I going to get out of it by telling anyone? I don't know. I mean, even right now, I don't think that it would have given me, maybe it would have helped me kind of deal with it and process it. But I don't think that it would have been the right thing for me to do even in that time because it would have been so painful and I would have just felt horrible about about myself and embarrassed. And, you know, I didn't want to be a girl who had experienced that, who'd gone with it. And there was another girl who charged him with rape. And that was a huge moment for me because it kind of blew me away that she had had the... The guts. The strength, yeah, the guts to, to talk about it. And that was the first time I told one of my girlfriends about what happened. And she said to me, that sounds like rape. Um, and I like snapped at her kind of, and was like, what? No, you know? And then obviously the way that I snapped at her, it was like a slap in the face for me of, Oh, actually that's definitely what this is. And that's why this is stuck with you for so long. And this is why, you know, and that was just a really weird relationship in general because I hadn't, I didn't like want to, hang out with him i didn't really want i didn't really like him in that way but it just sort of felt like oh well i'm in a new school this guy is gonna you know like help me meet friends whatever and whatever if i hook up with him that's how like life goes i you know um that's what happens when you're in high school you start having sex whatever um so i just i kind of hate it i hate talking about it not because 
I mean, it's so painful, but the reason it's so painful for me is I, I kind of like do blame myself. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I tell this guy to fuck off? Why didn't I, you know, all, all many, many moments of kind of separating myself. I eventually did. Um, but it was a long process. You know, you talk about the modeling industry in your book, and I, and I mean, it's it's unbelievable because it's really not just about the modeling industry. I mean, th- because you were a model, these things happen to you, but it happens to women all the time. These photographers are such fucks. I'm not saying all photographers, but what you're talking about that goes on. You're a young girl. You're under you're like 20 years old, 19 years old. You go to a guy's studio because you, you're working for an agency. You're hired. And the guy who destroys me in this book is this, I don't know, I don't even know his fucking name. But he he gets you a little drunk during a shoot, try to loosen you up. You're working nude in his home, mm-hmm. I think, or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. He, he just dropped, it's crazy. He just dropped his kids off to school. He's got young children. Mm-hmm. Gets you in the room, gets you a little loaded. And during the shoot, he's putting his finger up you and taking advantage of you. But, you know, you using you like a, like a rubber doll. And, mm. and, and, and these guys, they get away with it. Again, history repeats itself. And you even tell them to stop because he's hurting you. But what the fuck kind of animal is this? And, and I think these guys feel, again, I hired you. You owe me your body and you owe me everything. You're mine. I rented you out for the day. Yeah. 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 Weird. I mean, I think that he, um, I think a lot of men who work with who decide to work with like young beautiful women and photograph them have a strange relationship to those women i think that they they think these 19 year old beautiful girls have so much power they want a part of it they also feel maybe a little pissed off by it right um and i think that you know i i i want to be i think about this because i don't just think it's men are terrible animals like there's reasons people do things and they come out of specific places you know um and i thought about this a lot because um i got a lot of men in my life um and um i want to think about sort of like how these situations occur and i i don't think that he even thought he was really doing something wrong um i think he sort of felt yeah, like an entitlement. Um, and honestly, the worst part of that experience was what happened later, which was, and, you know, to be clear, I really wanted to impress him. I was, and I write about this in, in, in that essay, um, being 19 and kind of thinking like, oh, this is an important photographer. I got to impress him. I want to really stick in his mind, blow him away, whatever. Um, and using, you know, my brain and my body to kind of try to do that. And also, you know, wanting to seem cool, like getting drunk, um, you know, whatever. Um, because I was really young and, you know, there was obviously a professional stuff, but also just my own kind of ego of like, oh, this is my job now. And this moment is to, you know, make this person think I'm great. Um, but I think a lot of these men don't even realize that that's what that's what I would like. They don't they have no idea that 19 they don't remember being 19. They don't know what it's like to be a 19 year old girl. And they kind of think like, oh, they're she's a grown up. She's an adult. She knows what she's doing. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I was of legal age, whatever. But I mean, not to drink. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just not that it's not that simple. I think you hit it on the head. I think they're angry with you. Because while they're sitting there working a camera, and I, I'm not saying there's no skill involved, 
but you're the attraction. You're the piece mm-hmm. of gold. You're the diamond that glitters. And they're like, shit, look what she's got. I got to sit here and photograph girls like her. And I think they're pissed off. Mm-hmm. Met the, I heard Phil Donahue once say the men are beating up the, the, the girls. That, and that yeah. is, I think, you know, they see these pretty girls and they're like, fuck, I'm stuck behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, yeah, think, and I think there's a lot of like insecurity of kind of like photography, not, you know, a lot of these guys want to be artists um, right. and they're not totally artists. They're fashion photographers, which is great in its own right. But, you know, there's only a few fashion photographers, like it's 10 or something that are really regarded as super important and impactful and they can feel, you know, maybe a little useless. Um, I definitely yeah. think, you know, that's something I've experienced which is, yeah, it's too bad um, for everyone involved. Yeah, it's really sad. Going back to your father, your father's an interesting guy, but what I read of him in the book. Mm. And me too there, the relationship is, I mean, I, you, you've done therapy, so I'm sure you've thought about, about all this stuff. How much therapy have you done, by the way? Um, enough. <laughs> enough? A lot? Um, I mean, I've, I go... I've been, th- in, I- I've been in, in for probably the past four years. Yeah. Three, right. three years. Yeah. A couple of times a week. I like therapy once a week. I really like once therapy. A week. So mm-hmm. it's not psychotherapy. It's the, it's a, something it's a little talk, more broad. Talk therapy. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about your father. Sounds mm-hmm. like kind of a cool guy. He's actually a teacher at your, at the school you go to, mm-hmm. which I always think is horrible. If my father <laughs> had been a teacher at my school, I would have just hung myself. Yeah. I mean, I could not deal with it, but you know, your father is like the, the cool teacher. A hippie, you know, kind of wear sandals to class and all that kind of stuff. And he's the art mm-hmm. teacher. He's a painter in his own right and an artist. And yet you say in the book, like, and I don't know how you confuse you are by this. As beautiful as your mother was, and you would even, you said your house was so sexually open that you'd hear your parents fucking. I mean, you would, you would actually, they didn't make any disguise about it. They didn't do it quietly. I mean, they, that, they would think I was sleeping, but yes. Right. That's always yeah. weird. Um, mm-hmm. and, I mean, everybody's, you, I, I know most people have heard their, unfortunately heard their parents. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe my parents actually had sex, but I, I, <laughs> I think, um, I, I think what you described in the book is that your father was having, uh, affairs. He, he was with students and he had, uh, you found letters and things like that. That had he to blow your mind. never had an affair, at least, um, to my knowledge, but he definitely, um, he also received a lot of attention from women. Um, my dad's like six two and he was the art teacher, but he's like also athletic and he was always, you know, there was no lines crossed with students, but former students would, you know, kind of like fall in love with him. And my mom was very protective and, and jealous um, and, you know, would kind of um, like, you know, at one point she went through his email and blah, blah, blah. Um, but definitely um, my dad, you know, had these kind of like flirtatious relationships with women. Friendships did you that feel, I think sometimes cross the line. Did you feel protected by your father? Was he, with, like, obviously, either one of your parents, you couldn't really go to and talk about really bad things that happened. So in mm-hmm. a sense, did you feel like there's no real adult in charge here? Can't go to my father about what's happening to me, and I can't go to my mother. And I imagine you yeah. felt very um, alone. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm an only child, and um, there was just this kind of sense of like, me being an adult from day one, they kind of always would take me to, to dinners with their friends. And, um, I would sit at the table and I learned how to converse like an adult. I mean, I think actually in many ways is 
was good for me. Um, but also, yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't have a feeling of like parent child in a lot of ways. Um, which is, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. You just grow up really fast. Um, you grow, you grow up really fast. And then on top of it, kind of once I was 12, 13, kind of being people at least I mean, now I look at pictures of myself and I'm like, it's crazy that anyone ever thought I was an adult. I look like such a child. That being said, I did look older. Um, and so the world kind of accepted me as looking like a full grown woman. And, um, I think that's also like why that relationship with that boy happened in some ways too, because I was like, I need to catch up. Like I need to become an adult really fast. In other words, when you when you say you look like a woman, your yeah. breasts are natural. You weren't someone who had yeah. yourself enhanced. You had mm-hmm. the body of a grown woman, and therefore people yes. would look at you and they'd sexualize you at the age of twelve mm-hmm. and thirteen because you you'd walk in the room and it was like, whoa, you know, who's this? And they're looking at you yeah. like you're eighteen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's Jeez. funny. I'm I'm laughing because um, the New York Post had some headline that was like sad and sexualized childhood, which just like really cracked me up. I was like, oh, maybe that should be my tramp stamp. Just sad and sexualized. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's the takeaway from the book. Jesus Christ. Lord, help me. Well, it was it wasn't sad, but like like just some of the things that happened to you were sad as a result. I mean, uh, even yeah. your mom walking around with you and saying, hey, that guy's looking at you. Look at that. You know, it became this. uh a thing like look at your sexuality, look at your power every minute, and you do become self-conscious. I imagine, like, oh mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, am I creating a scene here? What am I? What am I doing? It's, yeah, uh, I did. I definitely, you know, again, I think my mom was sort of saying, like, look, you can celebrate that boys look at you. That's nice, you know. It's cel- you know, whatever in her mind. Um, but yeah. definitely, it made me super aware of myself. But oh, by the way, I think all, you know, this is something that a lot of people talk about is how aware of themselves women are that they even when they're kind of alone and you know getting dressed or just by themselves they're kind of aware of what they might look like um because we do learn that you know that that's a way to to get love to to be powerful to be successful so you become really good at kind of assessing yourself um and then on top of it if it becomes your means to you know financial success which modeling that's you know what your job is is to know when and how you look good um you really become super self-aware were you freaking out when you got pregnant because i know you are so you know you were so into and i love the honesty in the book Hey, I look at Instagram. I look at pictures of other women. I look at the pictures of myself. I try to see if I look really good. This is this is who you are and and, and what your job really was. Mm-hmm. So you get pregnant. Are you freaking out? Are you saying to yourself every minute, my God, my body's changing. I'm known for my body. I make a living with my body. I sell bathing suits. I sell everything under the sun because of my body. I got famous because of it. And now am I going to be able to snap back, so to speak? I remember... Mm-hmm. After you had the baby, it, it it was like, it was almost like every picture was like, has she snapped back yet? You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. did she get, well, did she I lose did, her body? And people were really angry. Um, there was a, you know, I posted some like video in pajamas that my company had just launched and, um, I like had a doc, there was a docotot, which is like what a baby lays in, um, behind me. And I said like, Oh, excuse the docotot or something. And all these, there was one woman particularly, um, who has like a small following, but she was so mad. Um, and she was like, Oh, excuse the docotot. Like she wants us to know that she snapped back. This is unrealistic pressure, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, I just feel 
like I don't have to share every part of my life. Um, there are, you know, I even I posted pictures of me in in labor that are super personal um, that my husband took on film, and I was like, you know, f- felt crazy, looked crazy. They were the pictures that I liked from from whatever. But I just feel like okay, I don't have to share every step of my journey, but I, you know, put on these pajamas, thought I looked all right, and took a video, and it really upset um, a lot of people. But that was my experience. Um, and listen, my body is different. I have a little bit of extra skin still and, you know, whatever. Um, but I didn't freak out when I was pregnant because um, I think that being pregnant helped me appreciate my body in a new way that I had never, uh, I had never thought of my body. I mean, I write about in the book just not really taking care of myself. You know, I like didn't go to the dentist for seven years and I, I got to ask you about that. Yeah, I <laughs> know. No, this is very true of a lot of women. And I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you because I wasn't clear on it. When you say you hate going to the doctor, you wouldn't even, um, you know, go to a dentist for seven years. Mm. Is it because, again, men just make such a fu- In other words, you didn't want to be nude probably in front of a doctor. You didn't want to be sexualized. You didn't want. I mean, I, that's no, what I'm imagining. No. Dentists- I actually think that I just didn't appreciate like needing to care for my body. I was, you know, I would shave my legs and I would, um, you know, like put lotion on my skin. Like I would take care of it in the way that how it looked, but I wasn't actually taking care of my health. Do you wow. know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, um, I get I it, but I thought it was more. And also, also the really, yes, they're not, not being sexualized by doctors, but you know, as a model, you're so used to kind of people feeling in charge of your body and really not having, not caring that much about you. Um, but just sort of like feeling entitled to your body, feeling like they know better. Um, and, I think that 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 was how I felt about doctors. I feel like they feel entitled to your body. They don't listen to you. They just kind of do what they want. I mean, you know, you've probably dealt with with doctors. Um, and right. I just didn't want to to have that experience in other ways. It just like was not an appealing thing. So I didn't make a big deal out of it. It wasn't like, you know, oh, I'm not going to the doctor. But all of a sudden I realized like, oh, my God, I haven't been to the dentist in seven years. I need to take care of myself, you know. Um, so there was definitely an avoidance, but yeah, no, being pregnant. Um, I loved being pregnant. It was definitely, there were days where I woke up and was like terrified because, you know, you just are completely out of control. You're and, and control is such a big thing for me. And, um, I didn't have control. My, my body was just changing and there's this, you know, not only my life, but uh, this little baby's life, you know, on the line. And I'm like thinking like, what's going to happen to, to, to my stomach, to everything. But because it was blowing my mind that my body was taking care of another life and mine so much that it actually kind of made me appreciate the, the way my body can be outside of like the way it looks in any way. Do people um, say to you, don't breastfeed because your, your, your boobs will get saggy. Yeah. They'll start to get lines in them and all that kind of stuff. And this is your moneymaker. You don't, you don't fuck with that. Did they start to mm-hmm. work you that way? Other women actually specifically, you know, were like, oh, don't breastfeed by the way. You know, it'll mess your tits up, whatever. Um, right. I, you know, I went for it. I, I, I enjoyed that experience. I didn't do it for very long. I did it for almost four months. Um, and it was just, it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have to feed your baby every two to three hours. And, you know, I just, I was trying to finish my book and it became difficult. Um, 
but I enjoyed the experience. I mean, I really, I, I enjoyed, I mean, pregnancy is different for everyone. Birth is different for everyone. Breastfeeding is different for everyone. I really enjoyed the experience. Emily, what do you think of plastic surgery? You're, you're a natural beauty. Uh, I don't think you've had any surgery. You're still young and all that kind of stuff. I see what women are doing to themselves now. And I know everyone in Hollywood's had a little something. They either get a nose thing or they get this or they got every little thing. But I think people, I what the fuck? You know, aging kind of gracefully, you could still look mm -hmm. good. But that attempt to hold on to the beauty, it's sometimes just, it, they, they destroy your face. Have you thought about this at all? Uh, yeah. Have you projected into the future? What do you think? I mean, I don't know how I'm going to feel um, I don't know what I'm going to do personally, but I definitely don't fault a woman for going under the knife. I do think it's crazy how much we kind of have just accepted, like how, like plastic surgery is violent. It's painful. I don't know if you're on TikTok, but there's, um, there's a BBL, it's Brazilian butt lift, which has like become the most popular surgery. And it's, they show like TikTok, I don't know how I got on it. It's this crazy algorithm and they show all these like post-op women um and you can't sit for like three weeks it's crazy um and just plastic surgery in general is just so violent like a facelift they slice the skin off your face lift it up sew it back up um and i don't know i just feel like we don't think about what that means that women are willing to to do something that violent in order to still be beautiful i mean talk about the way like that, if that doesn't say something about how much, you know, our society puts an emphasis on this, then I don't know what else does, but I don't like ever blame. I don't fault a woman for wanting that <laughs> because of course, you know, it's going to make, I get it. It's going to, yeah. So it's the same way that, you know, if a young girl wants to post a bikini picture, I'm not going to say to her, Oh my God, like, don't you know, like how fucked up that is, whatever. Of course she wants to, capitalize on her body the world you know is going to give her attention men are going to give her attention it's going to feel good um so why why do we always blame women for like getting the nose jobs or getting the boob jobs i don't i don't fault them um i don't but, blame anyone you know. I, I but i just i just think it can go horribly wrong and it's sort of sad yeah. because they probably would look better at, at the end of the day just kind of keeping it natural and just aging and maybe having a few wrinkles i don't know I don't know, though. I, I, I also know that, you know, thing where like a, a woman or a man will like be like, oh, my God, they look so old. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know? And that's know. what women are afraid of. They're like, I would rather look crazy than look old. I think. <laughs> right. Do <laughs> yeah. you um, do you do, is there is there something on your body that you feel you should change? Do you ever look at your pictures and go, I don't like this? Oh my God. I mean, I lost a bunch of weight after I stopped breastfeeding and I definitely miss having like some extra pounds i'm working on it um although the stress of this book coming out has not helped <laughs> um what is the I stress mean, that, that it won't sell enough or it won't oh, be good no, enough I'm just i'm you know i'm just busy and i'm putting myself out there in a real you know i'm very vulnerable in this book and things get yeah. turned into kind of even you know this interview it's, it's so enjoyable to talk to you but i know there'll be like little clickbait headlines of Emily said this about whatever. Um, and sometimes I do let that get to me. I have to admit, especially because, you know, I put so much into working on every word, being as intentional as I could in this book. And then 
you know, my only wish for this book is that people actually read it. Um, that's yeah. it. And that's it's, not it's just because I want them book. to buy it. The Thank book you. is fabulous. Um, it, I, I was like, what is, you know, I, I know you're young. And I was like, what is she writing about? You know, it's mm-hmm. like I put out a movie of my life when I was 40. And I was like, you know, people are going to go, uh, hey, who's this asshole? 40 years old, you don't put out the movie of your life. But I figured it was interesting yeah. enough. And that's how I felt about your book. I read it and I went, wow, you know, this is heavier than I thought it was going to be. It wasn't like uh, all about just blurred lines, but it was a, mm-hmm. a, a sort of an essay on beauty and loving your beauty and talking about. How, and I loved how you were intense about beauty and saying, I wanted this thing so bad. And I and I and I'm hung up on it. I would do rituals. By the way, what are your rituals when you do uh, when you when you get really nervous and you want things to mm-hmm. be great? What are your specific rituals that you do? in order to magically ensure your beauty or anything else in your life? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the ones I have now is I have to have um, my my son's name on me in some way, like um, on a piece of jewelry um, if for him to be healthy. Like I feel like he's something might go wrong if I don't. Um, and Do if you I have to be wear- wearing it? Do you have to yeah. be wearing it? The only exception yeah. is if I'm like I'm working and I'm modeling or something and I have to take off the piece of jewelry. I've like made an exception for that because I just I don't know what I would do if that was um if I was that compulsive about it. That's one. Um you know what's funny is sometimes they just pop into my mind like I'll I'll be trying like getting dressed in the morning and I'll say like if you wear those pairs of that those pair of pants that'll be a, it'll be a good day or if you don't you know whatever um my huge one is and this has been true since I was very young you know I think partly because I was auditioning for you know things that had a lot of like money and whatever when I was 14 and I'd really want the commercial or whatever and I get the call back and then if I told people that I got the call back I felt like it was a guarantee I wouldn't book the job so the second that I got too excited about something it wouldn't happen so I kind of like learned to just never get excited about anything and never tell anyone about any potential job um so that's kind of become a big one even around the book like i always if people say it's going to be so like it's going to do so well and it's going to really whatever anything positive I'm like don't say that you're jinxing it <laughs> yeah and, and it, it, you know for me it was 50 times worse and still is uh literally mm-hmm. uh, i might have to say a number three times or there was one point when i was on the radio i would have to repeat something three times or seven times it would have to be odd numbers it would get so intense that at one point I thought I was going to lose my mind and you know, it's stupid wow. and you know, it's dumb yeah. and you know, oh, it's you know, made up. Yeah. It's crazy, but we need to control our OCD? universe. Yes. What you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. say it is my psychiatrist says I don't have OCD. I don't even know what he's mm-hmm. talking about. I think I do. I mean, it's, I find it gets it in the way like of my it. life. <laughs> I yeah, mean, th- I'm not a professional, it, but yeah. Yeah. Does it get in the way yeah. of your life? And that's, I, I'm asking you. It doesn't, but it frustrates me a lot because I do feel like, where's the logical side of me? You know, I feel like I lose it in these moments and that magical thinking, I I feel like a little kid, you know, who's decided that this ritual will like ensure my safety or my happiness. And it, it bothers me. Um, and, you know, definitely my husband would actually definitely really agree, would, would say this, I know in this moment that I don't enjoy things very much sometimes because I'm so worried about the jinxing. So I'm like, you can't, you know, not until I kind of never let myself like enjoy successes or moments or wins, you know, because I'm um, so worried that like, if I do, then something bad will happen after. 
How hard was it for you to fall in love with your husband? Um, it, being in the modeling industry and, and, and especially with your experiences and, uh, mm -hmm. and they're painful. Is it hard to trust men? Is it, um, and, and also like, do you trust that your husband loves you? Is he again in love with my physical beauty, my body? Is he going to be able to age with me? Is he going to be able to, mm -hmm. when I'm not his arm candy, is he still going to be able to appreciate who I am? Are those major issues for you? And, and how did you let yourself go so that you could trust a man? Yeah. Um, God, there's a lot of questions in there, but, um, I, know. I mean, I think that I don't, I feel like, I mean, my husband and I met at a party in LA. Um, it was like a day pool party and we had been drinking and we played charades and I, you know, was like, did not even clock him as a potential whatever. Like I wasn't thinking Why? like, Oh, there's a, well, I had a boyfriend and, oh. um, also, I don't know. I just like, I wasn't thinking, I guess maybe partly because I was like, oh, my friend had like dudes that would come. It was a female friend and she'd always have like dudes over and I was kind of like, oh, these guys, whatever. Like these guys, <laughs> that, those are her, you know, male friends. I don't know. I just hadn't really registered it. And, and when you say a I pool was, party, I'm picturing you running around in one of your famous bikinis uh, <laughs> at the pool. I'm sure you're well, creating a Well, I didn't have a, a bikini scene. company yet. This was a long time ago. I was probably like, I mean, a long time ago, five years ago. Um, right. But, um, no, I was, I remember though, you know, I was wearing a dress and we had like, we were inside at the house and I, um, we played charades and I was just like being really stupid and silly and like really didn't care. And, um, he, like, I watched him just kind of like his face lit up and he just kind of changed. And the next time. And then we spent some, you know, whatever that time talking, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the next time I saw him, I knew he was like, I want to get to know this girl. Um, so I guess for me, that was part of the like vetting thing is, you know, it didn't feel like something changed when he saw me as just me being like funny and you know what I mean? Um, yeah. so I never felt like, oh, he's just after me because of whatever else. Like I, I remember that moment very clearly. Was, was so there ever a, off a relationship? Was there ever a thought in your mind I shouldn't get married if I'm single? Mm -hmm. I'm more um, the fantasy girl, mm. or those young boys out there who you know who follow my Instagram. Um, you know, like hey, I want to keep my relationship on the down low so that these you know for my career keep it you know hot so mm -hmm. to speak. No, I didn't. And I remember at one point, one of my male friends um, saying to me, like, I don't know if you should post like so many like couple pictures of you guys. And I was like, why? He's like, I don't think dudes want to see that. And I was like, look at this one. It has a million likes, you know, like got all pissed. Um, right. I think, you know, the truth is, is like I was I'm more interested in um, like my own happiness than than what I appear in the world. Obviously, I wrote this book. It's not exactly I did it for myself. It's, you know, a complicated thing to put out into the world. Um, so I've always kind of been more interested in like being, I don't know, taking care of myself in real life rather than like the image of me out in the world. You know, I, that feels like work and I didn't ever cross like even, you know, I never like dated famous guys to kind of like have a reputation like, to get more famous or whatever. Um, right. Partly because I'm, you know, really wanted to be like, it's just me. I don't fly on the coattails of anyone else. That was like so important to me. But also because I just, I just wanted to 
like the separate kind of real me felt really different than the the one that I put out into the world as an image. Did you did you ever date Ben Affleck? I know you were in that movie with him. You did the uh, I didn't. The, the, Gone didn't. Girl, yeah. Gone Girl, because the love love scenes in that, I mean, they're very, you know, they're intense. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I just, I guess I always figure, I guess I'm naive. <laughs> you know, when I did my movie, I fell in love with every woman on the set. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, I think they well, really liked me. He was married. Right. And yes. um, again, I've always kind of had a hard and fast rule, but also I don't kiss and tell. So. <laughs> oh. Okay, maybe something happened. Who knows? Who no, knows? no, 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 no. It did not. <laughs> I'm being totally clear, but also I don't kiss and tell. <laughs> yeah, but, but it is. It, yeah. But isn't it exciting when you do become super famous and you blew up all over the world to date famous people? Like, oh wow, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, and the illusion is that they're the characters they play in those films, and it can get very tricky. Um, mm -hmm. I bet you that was an exciting part of becoming, um, you know, a, a celebrity. I'm telling you, I mean, it's really, I, I almost, I don't want to say I like regret it, but there was definitely looking back, I'm like, why didn't I want to explore that more? Because I think I felt so protective of myself um, yeah. and, you know, didn't really didn't want to feel like wanted to do everything on my own and also um, just didn't trust what dynamic could come out of dating famous men. So, right. Yeah. Right. Well, I admire yeah. that, that you protected yourself, you know, I, mean, I don't I really know if do. I admire it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I write about I'll tell it you why book, I admire you know? it. Can I tell you why I admire it? Because, you know, in the business you're in, which, as you say, is a business of Instagram followers, more followers you have. I mean, it's amazing. It's mind blowing the amount of people who follow you. You can sell product. You can you know, it's a business. I've mm -hmm. worked at radio stations that don't have that many followers. You know what I mean? They don't have that yeah. much intensity. So it's a business. And, you know. You could very easily fall into the trap. You know, if I date Leonardo DiCaprio and I go out on mm -hmm. with his uh, pussy posse, uh, you know mm -hmm. what? I could probably get a lot of followers. And, you know, it would mm -hmm. be interesting to see. You know, you people listen. People think like that. People think like that. I know. And you know what? I respect the, the women who think like that. It's just a different kind of hustling. It's a different perspective. And there's an essay in the book about that because, you know, I think at one point I realized, like, well, who am I to judge any woman who tries to you know, marry someone famous or marry someone rich or whatever. I'm accepting money from really rich guys when I do a paid post for their, you know, um, Instagram or, you know, the experience I write about in the book is going to the Super Bowl with Jolo and him paying me a fee. Um, Amazing story. And Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's coming out in The Guardian, actually, in a, that essay. Um, so people will be able to read that, but they should buy the book anyway. But um that, um, you know, just kind of looking around and saying like, okay, here's all these women working this system in different ways. It's just a spectrum of compromise. It's just a spectrum of what you're okay with and what you're not. And, um, you know, I think that navigating that is a personal decision. And, um, you know, it's like now with the birth of OnlyFans and there's so many different ways where women are doing that on the internet and deciding, right. you know, how they want to, how they want to hustle. Um, and I respect it. I'm glad you don't judge that. And you're right. The thing about beauty is sometimes it's sort of evaluated by how many men are interested in you. And that's one of the yeah. points of the book. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even these guys who paid you $25,000 to go out on a date, you know. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a date. That's what's so crazy. He didn't even talk to me the whole time. <laughs> what is that? I, just, I mean, he's so, so yeah. damaged that he, 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 he paid $25,000 to be in your presence and then didn't talk to you? I mean, I think that's one of the things like, 
a lot of these stories in the book, I kind of put out into the world to be like, what, what do you think? <laughs> What's your take? Because I don't know. I don't know. Um, right. you know, that was a really, that was such a weird experience though. And I kind of was prepared for somebody like to hit on me in a weird way or whatever. And there were a couple of weird moments, but the guy who was actually paying for me to be there, you know, barely talked to me other than saying like, thanks for coming. Um, but there were other, there were also other people there, other women who like really made a point of kind of, they didn't need him to come up to them. They went up to him. Um, and they got more out of that relationship than I did. I never saw him again, you know? Yeah. It's, there's a line. My wife was telling me there, there, there were the, you know, the modeling agency would call and say, Hey, there's a party in Dubai and they want models there. Um, Mm. You know, and she she always worked a lot, so she was able to say no to that. She wasn't comfortable with that kind of thing, but that's a whole nother thing. These modeling agencies, they're kind of yeah. pimping people out. Come on, go to a party I mean, and yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the the modeling agencies have a they they definitely need to adjust the way that they operate. But I mean, it's an industry, so they're just thinking about money, you know. Right. Um and they're not really thinking like let's protect these young women. They're thinking like how can we, you know, make as much money as possible and they're reporting to their boss and whatever. Um but yeah, the, the other part of that essay is um it kind of jumps, time jumps. I go to Coachella with this group of um these men who hire this guy, this party promoter who actually like had women kind of who, you know, worked with him to recruit young girls. And one of the ways that they would get us to go out with them was to host dinners before you go to the club. So, you know, we all were making like no money and never getting fancy meals at all. You know, I was eating like Trader Joe's frozen meals or Chana Masala or something. That was what it right. was my favorite at that point um, for like $5. And, you know, it was like, you can go to Nobu and we'll have this back room and you eat and drink whatever you want. And then, you know, after you're a little drunk, like they're like, okay, we're going to the club. Like it's going to be fun. And um, that, that is such a weird industry and it totally still exists. I was before the pandemic, I was at a um, bar kind of randomly. I don't really go out like that. And um, this guy, it was early in the, club was kind of empty and this guy walked in and like 10 long legged you know very young women came in behind him and i was like oh i know that i've been one of them <laughs> right we, but by the way sadie who you mentioned you gave her a, a pseudonym but sadie who mm-hmm. you mentioned a high school friend who was so uh gorgeous and uh, was in the modeling mm-hmm. industry as well and you knew her from high school and you kind of worshipped her you made a really good point again you know you talk about beauty in a sense you did it too Sadie isn't your type of person, but you saw her outer covering. She was five nine, five ten, gorgeous model. Mm. And you go, Oh, I should be friends with her. She's someone I should hang out with because she's in the modeling industry. But she really wasn't. Well no, your she kind wasn't in the modeling industry when we became friends. She right. um she was um she was a year older than me and she was really cool and I was not cool. Um and she kind of like plucked me out. She she was one of those girls that could have been like you either she was she was either going to be your enemy and make your life miserable or be your best friend. And she picked best friend, which seemed great to me because I was terrified of her. Um, And then, you know, I was going up to L.A. at that point, starting to model. And she had always been told, like, you have a model's figure. So she kind of asked me do you think it's something I could do? And she worked at a sandwich shop um, and she always had like cash, a lot of cash. And I remember being impressed because from her tips, but you know, I was making money more easily. I would go up to LA for a day and make what she made in two weeks. Um, So then she signed with an agency, but honestly, most of our friendship 
I mean, it was around, it was partly about the modeling, but it was mostly about like who we were to the cool group of boys in high school. Do you ever go on like a Facebook or something and look for her? Like, do you know what happened to her? Yes. And actually I wrote this essay, but we ended up getting dinner. I finished this essay before, um, we reconnected and we got dinner and, um, she's doing well. She's totally different than who she was in high school. And she read the essay and she, um, she had a really like tender, like loving reaction to it. Um, which was, which was really cool. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, that's cool. You know, there's so much to the book and, uh, you know, I could keep, I, I'm really interested in it because when you, when you talk about this photographer who, you posted a picture of yourself on Instagram mm-hmm. that a photographer took and he sued you. He yeah. said, um, he said, he said, Hey, I took that picture. You owe me money. I'm yeah, always paparazzi. blown out by that. Yeah. A mm-hmm. paparazzi, yeah. no less, who took a picture of you. Yeah. You were like, oh, okay, I'll post this. It's kind of interesting. At least I can do something with it. He got a picture mm-hmm. of me and he ended yeah, up suing actually, you. Yeah. And specifically, um, it was a, the reason I posted that one was to say like, I'm tired. I wrote mood forever because I'm covering my face with flowers. So it was kind of to say something about, you know, how I felt when the paps were, were shooting me. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, um, that's a, that's a thing. That's a big thing. That's a great way for them to make money, you know, because they, they know that settling will cost, um, less money than fighting it because I've, I actually am still fighting that, that, um, court case. It's been years and years now. I think almost three. Do you think um, and I'm still fighting it. Um, I've won. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> wow. Um, he's going to have to pay some of my lawyer's fees. It was the last ruling, but we're, we're supposed to go to court next. And, um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about all of that legal stuff, but it's really expensive and it would have been a lot cheaper to just write him a check and say, fine, you like you win, you know, hold my hands up and say, all right. How are you feeling about the paparazzi? On the one hand, you know, I've never seen anybody more covered than you by paparazzi. I mean, you're, you know, you're always like, 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 it seems to me they're always there. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same point, you know, then you got to put up with it when you don't want it. You can't turn it on and off. Once it's in your life, that's it. Um, yeah. So you, you must love the attention because it does promote your brand. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, yeah, geez, it was interesting last. I think it was last week or two weeks ago or something. There was nobody. And my husband was like, where have they been? This is great. And I was like, I know. (laughs) Um, But obviously, you know, this week I'm running around promoting, going on different shows and wear different outfits for each show. And um, they're shooting it. But listen, it's it helps. So hopefully people will be like, oh, what's she out talking about? And then maybe they'll listen to this conversation and be interested in the book. So. Um, right. it's, yeah, it's a double edged sword. Um, but, uh, actually it was interesting after that article came out, the, the essay where, um, I talk about that, that stuff with the paparazzi, a couple of them reached out and said, listen, like there's going to be days where there are going to be guys out front. It would be nice if you like, I'll let you post whatever you want to post. Just, you know, give me the shot kind of thing. And so, and I'll never see you type of thing. So it feels a little bit like making a deal with the devil in some ways. Um, but it's nicer to have a little bit of control than just, you know, feel like these guys are, I mean, at one point, like I had the thought of if I got hit by a car, you know, whatever, they would rather take a picture of the car accident than call an ambulance. And that 
at one point really freaked me out because I just felt like these guys don't care about my safety and they're outside of my house every day and they just want the the, the picture that's going to make, make them the most money. Now I feel a little bit, you know, better having like having some of them reach out and say, like, listen, this is what it is. We don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of crazy. What, what, so what's your day like that? What was the favorite show? To, so that you're out promoting the book. I see you everywhere. Did you like doing The View? What was the show that you feel? Uh, I did like doing know. The View. I was totally starstruck by Whoopi, though. It was so funny. Yeah. I didn't yeah. expect it. She asked the first question, and I was like, I've like lost my... Because um, I just <laughs> grew up with said. her, you know? Yeah. yeah, she asked me a good, a hard question, and like, what do you want people to take away from the book or something? And I was like, my God, it's Whoopi Goldberg. I can't, I don't know what to say. Um, what but an incredible I really enjoyed talent. that. Yeah. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's so cool. Um, and we had a nice conversation afterward as well. She said, like, your bikinis are so small, you're going to make them bigger for me. And I was like, nope, you got to wear the tiny ones. <laughs> Show <Yeah>. it off. <laughs> Do you think um, with the bikini business that you could actually, like, is it hard to reinvent the bikini? I mean, it, it, I always say to my wife, how are you getting a new bikini like that? I mean, mm -hmm. bikini is the bikini. What what can you do to a bikini at this point to, well, to make it great? Well, you got different prints. You got different cuts. Um, I mean, I honestly, it's not even so much about my body. It's that I grew up in Encinitas in San Diego where you wear you wear a bikini every day to the beach in the summer. Like you, you get dressed in the morning. You put on a bathing suit underneath because you know you're going to the beach. That's like where you hang out. It's like the equivalent right. of... In New York, you know, you go to whatever, down to the basketball courts, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I know bathing suits very well and I like love them and enjoy them. Um, and also it's just a way that I've, you know, had control. I, I have the business with one of my closest friends and we have an, a really great office. I can work from there and um, I, I enjoy that. Can you believe what's happened boss. to you though? Even through it all, when I read the book, I said, well, the bottom line is there's been some real ups and downs like everyone's life, but mm. like, wow. I mean, 28 million followers on Instagram. It's pretty amazing, right? It's just kind of, I'm sure you never in a million years would have expected this. No, it's so surreal. And we were talking about, you know, the little girl praying for beauty. Like I definitely had no idea that this would be the way my life turned out. It's bizarre. And all the time I'm, you know, like you were talking about going on Facebook and seeing old friends and thinking about like, I can't, I just, I think it's part of, you know, getting a little bit older and having that perspective. I'm sure you feel the same way where you're like, wow, this is, this is my life. And I honestly mostly just feel really grateful. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Listen, I'm going to let you go. I know you're going to go right. do Drew Barrymore today, man. You are out. Yes. There. You're working yeah. hard. The book is yeah. uh, fantastic. I really did enjoy it. Emily Ratajkowski's book is called My Body. Did you ever consider changing your name? Because uh, Ratajkowski is a tough name to say. Did you ever, when you started modeling, say, you know what, I, I'll just be. I just didn't think I was going to get famous. So, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But th did yeah. the kids make fun of the name at school? Would they call you Rat or something? Friends and thinking about, like, I can't, I just, I think it's part of, you know, getting a little bit older and having that perspective. I'm sure you feel the same way where you're like, wow, this is. This is my life, and I honestly mostly just feel really grateful. Yeah, I hear you. All right, listen, I'm going to let you go. I know you're going to go right. do Drew Barrymore today. Man, you are out yes. there. You're working yeah. hard. The book is yeah. uh, fantastic. I really did enjoy it. Emily Ratajkowski's book is called My Body. Did you ever consider changing your name? Because uh, Ratajkowski is a tough name to say. Did you ever, when you started modeling, say, you know what, I, I'll just be... 
I just didn't think I was going to get famous. So, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But th- did the yeah. kids make fun of the name at school? Would they call you Rat or something like that? No, um, I didn't get made fun of in school. My dad's nickname was Rata, and that's how I got M Rata. Um, right. But that, oh, yeah. That's yeah. where it comes. Okay, got it. That's mm-hmm. your company. Yeah. Uh, Emily's yeah. book is called My Body. It's available now wherever books are sold. Thanks for spending so much time with me. I'm sure you're exhausted. Thank you but, so uh, much for having. No, it was a yeah. great conversation. I, I always great wanted to come on, so it was great to be Glad you did. Great well, to see you. Thanks for having you here, and thank you thanks, so much Robin. for being so open. It was wonderful. Yeah, oh, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, Good you luck guys with are the book. Great. I hope I hope people read it. Okay, thank Emily Ratajkowski, everybody. There <laughs> you go. There you go. I told you, interesting woman. Your favorite person. Well, I'll tell you what. I never spent a lot of time thinking about Emily Ratajkowski till I read her book, and I was like, "Whoa, there's some heavy stuff going on here." And she's got some well, interesting you're, thoughts. You're, you know what? She did a great, um, a great job at is describing how women are groomed in this society to please men. You know, like that's your pr- parents' job, your teacher's job. Everybody's job, because as soon as a child is born, a girl is born, you start yep. thinking about, is she going to be pretty enough? Is she going to, you know, and everything about, you know, the way people groom you is to fit into society and please men. That's right. There you go. Well, I mean, anyway, you know, she just sort of details that, you know, and and all of the things that a woman will think might be okay to say or do or be a part of is based on, well, that'll get me power or that will get me, you know, based on, you know, whatever their attributes are. This is what I can use to impress the boys or get the best ones, you know, so you choose your friends that way. You do everything that way. I was groomed to please my mother. Um, right. That's how I was groomed. Yeah. I, I was in the service of that woman. And, uh, <laughs> I did a damn good yeah, job, if I do say so. About what uh, what people say to yeah. girls, it's always about their looks. You know, like people actually have to remind themselves to compliment their daughters on something else because they're so used to just having them be interested in how they're going to look. You know, like she said that mm-hmm. one woman said, and she was a philosopher that she would want her daughter to be thin. That's what she would do for her. You know, if she she had a daughter, make sure there she you stays go. thin. Well, anyway, that's Emily Ratajkowski. I do recommend the book. It was really uh, quite illuminating. Well, you should look at it that like way. That, that's what happens to everyone. And she just happened to be, you know, she was one of the most beautiful and was able to, to parlay that. But it also came with a price. When I, when I raised my daughters, I complimented them on not looking like me. I said, you, <laughs> well, very lucky. Same thing. You're lucky that's you don't right. look like yeah. me. Yeah, I go, wow, <laughs> you guys are nice looking, not, not like me, not on. Anyway, but thank you for that. But you to stay up on those looks. Make sure that those looks well, uh, stay Make sure together. you don't look like me. Tomorrow, uh, among other things, we have a lot to get to tomorrow, but Paul McCartney will stop by too, and he's always interesting, so we'll uh, we'll check in with him, see what's up. He wrote a book too, which is fucking mind-blowing. Uh, writes about a lot of, not every song he ever wrote, but a bunch of tunes that he wrote. And he talks about, he goes, man, I don't remember anything about the past, but if you ask me about a song and what was going on around it, I can tell you. And that's what the book that's is. That's amazing. I really, uh, amazing. and that's what, 
you know, like you do tie things. Your memory ties things to important things. And so these must be really meaningful songs to him because yeah. he remembers everything about them. Uh, remembers it all. Says it's like photographic. So uh, the book is very cool. Yeah, uh, I missed you all day today because I was having technical difficulties. I couldn't I see you guys half the time. I couldn't hear. I almost walked out to my car to sit in my car and listen to the show just so I know what was going on. Well, I could have I could have done what I do with Jeff the Drunk. I could have put you on the phone and put you on hold for the rest of the night. You know, <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was aware of that. I just uh, I plowed on. No, but, no, no. Um, I, I, it felt, you know, like I was afraid that the moments I did pop in, I wasn't in the context of what was going on. So yeah, it was very difficult. I was really hampered by the technology today. Yep. Yeah. We've been pretty lucky. I got to say it's weird. Um, with the technology that, you know, we started using during COVID, it works really well, but once in a while it can fuck up. And, uh, yeah, and I lucky. just I couldn't hear you. And then when there was one moment that I recognized that I was out of sync, and you couldn't, you know, you you're hearing me thirty seconds after I spoke. <laughs> I thought it was I thought I was on acid. That's all. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we'll see everybody tomorrow. We got a busy day tomorrow, but uh, that's it. Bye bye. Coming Wednesday. A reunion between the boy from Liverpool and the boy from Long Island. I've never disguised my love for Paul McCartney. What a genius. What a man. You talking about yourself? <laughs> and then I met John. Wow. And I would say to people, oh, yeah, I've written a couple of songs. And people would go, oh, wow. But he said, so have I. Ah. All right. As we welcome singer, songwriter, producer, composer, and Beatles, Paul McCartney. Only on The Howard Stern Show.